Dude, that's the guy. That's the guy who makes you the sandwich after you get done sleeping with his girlfriend. It is my favorite um, analogy that you use. Thank you, Frank. Can you hear me now, though? Are you, are you finally happy? Yeah, but don't talk to me that close, you know. I might fall in love with you. <laughs> Just listen to the sultry sound of Frank's voice. <laughs> Sorry it's been a while, but thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of Skids Up, uh, RC Heli Podcast. Uh, today, we don't actually have um, Javier with us, but we do have a special guest uh, who goes by the cryptic name of Augie Copter. So those in the know will know who he is, and those who aren't in the know will soon learn who he is. So Augie, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And, um, you know, Frank talks about you all the time. So I'm, fi- I'm so glad to finally be able to meet you uh, virtually. And, um, and pick your brain on, on some things. So th- again, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for inviting me. And uh, I hope Frank don't tell you the private things that we talk about because he <laughs> gets all weird. I do, so. I do it on the podcast. I, I include everybody, you know. Faithful listeners, faithful listeners to the podcast will know quite a bit about you, because uh, Frank yeah. mentions you literally every single episode. <laughs> oh, but well, he does, this it's, this it's, all, father, it's all positive. It's all positive things. So nothing to worry about. <laughs> It's the Ock Father. He's, he's the all-knowing one, you know. Um, no, Frank. Since your relationship with the all-knowing one is much closer than mine, um, why don't you go ahead and kick us off, man? I know you've got some questions that you wanted to ask. Oh, him of and, course and I do. Get everything going. Augie, well, how many times did you try to join the hangout when I finally let you in? Uh, three times. The third time was because uh, um, Marcus Kim invited me. Yeah, that's. Uh, I didn't know who he was when I when he, when he first came to the hangout. So, uh, Tulone told me about him. I was like, and I remember sending him a message. I'm like, "Are you this Augie?" And he goes, "Yes, this is me, dude. Oh man, you, um, you made one of the best machines ever, and I wish I would ever I could ever have one." And then from then on, we've had the, these super great relationship. He's actually what is this machine? What is this machine that you're speaking of? Oh, dude, he well, he made a few of them, but he he was one of the owners of Avant helicopters, and the Monstro yeah. was uh, was his creation. Wow. And okay. I'm going to be saying things like, wow, I didn't know that a whole lot tonight. So I'm going to start okay. with that. Wow, I didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> yeah, like, Augie, how do I explain Augie to the average person? Augie's that's that's actually probably the, a better, it's probably a better idea because this isn't just some random guest that we have on. This is no, someone no. who has behind the scenes, from what I can tell, obviously I'm not an expert on the subject matter yeah. yet, but I will be at the end of the episode. This is someone who behind the scenes has had a huge influence on our hobby. Is that right, Frank? Oh, hundred percent. I, I could, I could say, uh, he's been in one of the, he's pushed this hobby forward further than most people that I, in, in this industry, then, you know, if you look at the greats, you know, Augie is in that, in that, in that list, he's definitely from him being an excellent pilot, you know, from him being a designer, uh, you know, even to now, you know, he, the Avant was a great machine, you know, everybody, the guys are still rave about it. It's like a cult following. You know, I say if I ever find one, I'll, uh, even though I love SAB, uh, I will definitely um, get one, you know. 
It's just, it's just one of those things that are just. Oh, I love my Kraken too. <laughs> Augie, do you not so, have any uh, Avants laying around anymore? Are they all, are they all gone? Oh yeah, yeah, he, I have he, uh, five. He you won't, he won't sell one to poor Frank over here. No, no, he's leaving it to me in his will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he wants to kill me. <laughs> if not, the minute he's not around, I'm going to Washington and stealing one. So I'll break it in. Or you, could it, you could replace it with a, you know, with a goblin. He wouldn't even notice. <laughs> oh, he would. He would. Oh, he, I, he, he would. Yeah, he would. I fly the the goblin and the the kraken and um, specter. I love those machines, man. They're fun. All right, specter. Yes. Yeah. That's, I yeah. I am specter, loving. I, I love yeah. the specter, man. That's, I love those helis, and there's a lot of helis I love. That that's a that's a good thing about um, being in the hobby as a hobbyist, you know, and not as a manufacturer. And that's something that I am appreciating again, having fun, because when you are uh, in the hobby as a manufacturer, you are under a lot of stress, and you know, and, and you have to. I mean, you start losing your enjoyment of the hobby because it's it's your it's your job you know yeah it's and and i've been in the hobby for a long time so that is something that i was missing in my life you know so now i'm back in the hobby as a hobbyist and oh man i'm having the the time of my life well you've set the stage for us here uh with these a long time so so how long actually have you been flying actually yeah, would, I'm, I'm not sure if the hobby consists solely of helicopters for you, or if you started with something else. But how long? No, have you no, been? I started. I started when I was seven years old with my dad. Oh, okay. Um, we started flying um, control line planes with diesel engines. Uh, we used to make our own fuel with chloroform, and you know, it had a little screw on the top to you know change compression because it was a diesel. And. Uh, and they were made out of balsa wood and tissue paper with a dope, um, it's a, like a varnish for fuel proofing. And uh, and then we got into radio control. Initially, it was escapement service, and which uh, if you go and do a search on online for escapement servos and push type uh, um, radios, uh, you would be, they're really like, I can't believe you guys were flying like that. You know, we're just pushing the buttons and and two for the right, one for the left. And I forgot it was four for up and something down. I forgot, you know, it was, my dad was the one that was doing that stuff. So I was just uh, learning. And then came the proportional radius, which is what uh, for us was magic, you know. Be able to control with the stick, and the thing would copy your movement. That was absolutely—it's like probably like head holding gyros and the equivalent. You know, it, it made a change in the in the industry. Just just to clarify, you're saying that before that there were servos that were controlled via buttons. Yeah, it's actually escapement. It, I, you would actually wind up with a wind up. You would kind of like wind up each one of the servos. And then you would move with buttons, or or then what? Later there was a like a wind up joystick, which you would move forward or back or light, right or left, and and this wind up mechanism would actually do the three or two pushes of the buttons equivalent. So you wouldn't have to remember how oh, many wow. times to push and stuff like that. And then came some other ones that were had resonant. Um, resonant um, 
uh, what do you call that? Like a, a, a music box. Um, you have this tune, uh, little things that, that this um, wheel uh, touches and, and you get the music. Well, mm -hmm. there were some, some based on that. So you would select channels for that. So it was a progression of technology until we got to the, what we call the digital proportional, well, actually proportional initially, which was a AM modulation. And then uh, the FM and the digital proportional uh, radius, which is the one that copies, you know, it has a pulse width, which is even in use today. You know, the, the thing that you guys talk about 1500 micro, uh, microseconds or 760, right, right. that's actually the width of the pulse that is being sent, you know, that started so that, that transition. That, that, was that like the early seventies, I guess, before, like right before no, actually, that switch happened? No, that's sooner. Um, let me see. Uh, I've been flying. I, I mean, I've been in the hobby for 53 years. Wow. Okay. So I wasn't, I, I really don't know much about that early period. I, I you know, yeah, we've, heard, we've had several guests talk about the, like the early radios, but never anyone talked about what came before the early radios. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because we went from control line to, um, to this, uh, oh, at this where, you know, you had like a car battery. And then a base station, like an actual box on the floor with a huge antenna, and then uh, some wires, and then your control box. So that thing on the on the on the ground was consuming from a car battery, and it had vacuum tubes and this and that, you know. So so it was. <laughs> so it was amazing. a ordeal then. Oh yeah, yeah, it was like this, and it, It's like flying jets now. It was. It was. It had to be expensive. Oh yeah, hard. very expensive. Very yeah. expensive. Yeah. But actually, if you go to the AMA Museum in in Archa, they have them in display there. You can go and watch and take a look at them. You can see all of the things that I described. They're right there. You can go and look at them, and you will see the radios, the escapement, the wind-up servos, everything. It's wow. in incredible to you know to to go visit that and 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 look at that. But and, and Helis actually, I started in 1975. You know when the Heli baby came out. The one from uh, Schluter. Mm -hmm. That's when I actually got started on helicopters, and uh, that was a fixed pitch uh, helicopter. And after that one, I I went to the Heliboy, which was the collected pitch uh, helicopter. We didn't have uh, gyros at the time, and uh, after that, after a, uh, quite a while, we had mechanical gyros, which were. The ones that you, I don't know if you have seen the ones with the wheels, you know, the brass wheels. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I've seen they, pictures of the units. I've never seen one in person, but yeah. Yeah, they had that. And, um, and that's, uh, so, so going from flying, you know, you would have to actually fly the tail all the time. And if you apply um, throttle or, or apply uh, pitch, it would increase the torque on the tail and you would have to move, you would have to move your, your, your uh, rotor stick to compensate for that you there was nothing there that would actually do it for you you have to actually do it so when the proportional radius came in they started uh, creating something which was a mix between throttle and the rotor so whenever you went up on the rotor i'm sorry on the throttle it would also mix in more rotor to compensate for the torque you know so there were those were the features you know quote features and quote of those uh, 
um, uh, helicopter radios and, and things like that. It made um, made it fly a little easier, you know. And but most of us had helis with actual fins that were not open like the ones that we have for 3D. They actually were able to weather vane. So if you wanted to relax a little bit, what you would do is you, you would start going in forward flight and relax because then the tail would stay weather veining. And then you could actually fly sort of like a with a like an airplane, you know. Uh, the things will got got hairy when you stop and you hover, right? That's when you you would have uh, uh, have to to play with the with the tail, you know, keep it from from going places, you know. So, yeah, we were you know we were talking with uh, with Carrie Shirley about this last episode, and it's just it amazes me, um, you know how 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 you can actually perform those. You know, if you look at some of the older videos, like you've got some people that are flying you know, relatively well. Um, and it's, it's hard to tell from the video just how much effort and skill is required oh, to actually yeah. get it to do that. Oh, uh, yeah. I feel like I wouldn't have the, you know, I, you know, this, this hobby requires a lot of patience and dedication. Now I, I cannot even imagine how much patience it took back then. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, at the time there were no spare parts. You would either, you would have Oof. to buy another kit. <laughs> so we became expert at making a home to spare parts. Because this hobby just seems to be like broke. for, for masochists. Are you really? You know? like, so, I'm you, serious. So. There were no. So it was a concept that was not understood, you know, by the manufacturers. If you crash, you would have to buy another kit or make the parts yourself. But at the time, you know, also the hobby, people that are, was involved in the hobby, was more of a hobbyist, you know. We would actually make parts. I remember making a contraption, mechanical contraption, to be able to fly inverted, uh, so I could um, give, um, like, like when you were going up, you would have the torque in that direction, but you would have the exact same torque when you would go, go inverted, because it would still pro, uh, uh, do the same torque in that direction. So my, my rotor would actually go and compensate in both cases towards the same side. So I made some mechanical thing there with cams, you know, uh, and that was something that would, we would do, you know, and also we had helis that were plywood frames, you know, so we would simply, you know, crash and just, you know, go cut another plane, you know, go to the hobby store, get yourself, you know, a 30, 30 seconds uh, plywood piece and cut your own frame and you're back in flying, you know. Um, that is a level of dedication so, that I, <laughs> man, that's nuts. No, but we, we, keep, keep in mind that we used to build our own planes, you know, balsa wood planes. So we, we were, we were people that liked to build stuff like that, you know, so it wasn't a, it was actually a lot of fun for us, you know, and we would get together and, you know, do uh, like building projects and all of together and, and, you know, and, and somebody crashed and we will go in and, and work and help the guy fix and, so because we wanted to always fly together and do stuff, you know, it, it was a lot of fun. I tell you, it was. And our engines were like forty size engines, and I remember I, I forgot what is the name of the of the of the um, helicopter, but it was actually one of those uh, wood wood uh, framed helicopters. And I I put a snarled ported uh, OS so, Max. Robert Graham or whatever his name is. Um, his dad. Um... Who's the guy I'm talking about? Um, they used GMP? to kiss the helicopter when you were flying it, right? He used to come in. Um, are you talking about his 
that no, no, no. This, this, no. This one was a wooden, you know, a, a plywood type. Uh, the ones they're talking about were aluminum. Um, so this, this one that I was telling you about, uh, we put a forty, but at the time you're you're used to that. But at the time, that from a regular forty, like a torpedo or something like that, going to an OS ported engine, the difference in power is tremendous. I remember I put that one on that helicopter. <laughs> I think it was a rocket. I mean, a total rocket with that, with that, and this was an, an you know an airplane engine. So, but so just for quick comparison, okay. So, on my seven hundred, I fly a one hundred five, and he's talking about that time a forty size engine. So it's a much much smaller displacement. Yeah, on a helicopter, yeah, that, that, probably on a helicopter just yeah. as much, if not more, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the large helis were sixty size. You know that that was for a long time. That was the largest, and and you know what's funny? It's something that I that I wrote on the on the forum before. Um, what the problem that you guys um, uh, are not aware of? Well, maybe you are. I don't know. Um, our ninety size came from the sixty size case. It was actually the sixty world champion OS engine. That was mm -hmm. the one that uh, Curtis was using. And then OS and YS started making the 80. I remember the first was the 80 size YS. In the same case, it would fit in a Vigor or in a, you know, the 60 sized uh, um, helicopters. And they started putting bigger and bigger um, engines in the same case. Up to a point that you, know, you can't do it anymore because you need more diameter on the on the crankshaft, on the on the counterweight, to be able to to prevent vibrations. Mm -hmm. So we went to like up to 120, and the SRX version, and uh, so they had to put tungsten tungsten inserts. If you look at that 120, the SRX 120, you look at the actual um, crankshaft, you will see their their holes and tungsten inserts, because they needed to increase the mass. So to keep the heli, the, the engine still balanced, you know, but this, this size has that limit. So, so it, I don't think they can make it bigger than 105, 120 because it's just, you need more size, you know, more, more, more space for the, for the parts to be working correctly. But that's where they come from. You know, 60 size was the one. And uh, we were happy. We thought it was, you know, so overpowered. <laughs> so with the 60, and then came the 80, and we're like, wow, this is awesome. And then the 91s and the 120, it was just never ending, you know? But it was fun. Well, what, uh, what helicopters were you, were you pairing with these new engines? At this point, were they, were they still the, the plywood frames? Or at this, or at this point, oh, were no, you no, no, like steel? Oh, no, no, no. These are, no, no, they were all uh, steel. Uh, I'm sorry, aluminum. Um, uh, starting with the, with the, uh, Haliboy, Sluter, Haliboy, and uh, GMPs, and all those, and then the miniature, and and that. So, um, but there was a point that the helicopter itself is the one that became the the limited factor, and that's why I made my own helis. That's exactly the reason why I started making my own uh, helis because I was blowing up helicopters left and right. And I was tired of, you know, it was an expensive thing, you know, keep breaking those things. They would explode in the air. I would get upset. 
I would fight with the guys at a miniature because I say the fear is extreme. It should be extreme. How come it's not extreme enough to to fly this and that? It was just a fight all the time. <laughs> so, so I ended up uh, making my own a conversion kit initially, and then it became so popular. Everybody wanted to to um, to have a heli, and they kept on pushing me and uh, said, "Well, let's let's make a heli." That's when I went and did, and created Aurora. So when what what year was this um, that you started making like the conversion kit, for instance? Two thousand and two, two thousand and three. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was I was thinking it was before you know, like digital design tools were easily accessible. But I guess you had that back in two thousand two. So just, what, yeah. was it just AutoCAD that you started using, or was there other stuff available? No, no. It was it was. Um, uh, trying to remember the name. No, actually, no. VectorWorks. 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 Oh, okay. oh, wow. Yeah, Vectorworks. Um, and, uh, and um, so the funny thing is that I started, you know, making parts initially to soup up my helis. And then everybody wanted them back in the um, uh, Ron Rider time. Uh, I started making my fins and the things, and then I started making them carbon, color carbon parts. And everybody went crazy. It's like, oh, wow, I, I want to have a, a Blue Fury or a Golden Vigor or something like that. So I started making those. And, and did you ha work in um, or did you have tools available that were personal or did you yeah. have access no, to no, a factory that, that, that you could start making these from? Yeah, yeah. I, I own several businesses. And in one of the businesses that I own, I had uh, CNC's and uh, routers and and uh, hot presses so we could make carbon plates and nice. and stuff like that. So we were actually the only company that had make, made their own carbon material. And the kind of carbon material that we used, uh, like for instance on the Mostron, people that have a Mostron know that, because if, if you break a Mostron frame and try to cut pieces out of it, you know, your your router breaks, you know, your router bit cannot cut it. Because the material that we were using is the one that is used by the Boeing um, uh, factory. It's a special... Oh, man, that's awesome. I'm sorry? Yeah. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, were, we, were, we were one of the... We were one of the uh, people that were authorized to buy the scrap. Uh, actually, they call it scrap. It's funny because it's brand new. They just... They just had a three-month period in the freezer that if they didn't use the company policy, was just uh, scrap it and sell it as a scrap. But this was a brand new, brand new material, you know, for at a price that was impossible to to get. And this is a 350 degree, super high modulus uh, carbon that we actually had to get poly 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 polycrystalline diamond bits to be able to cut it. So it was in, it was already in sheets. It wasn't like a cloth that you then poured. No, 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 cloth, cloth, no, cloth. That, that's oh, you had to have you that had kind of to cut the cloth. No, they, they, they were pre-pregged. Uh, that's why they had to be in a refrigerator because it's an epoxy that um, cures with temperature. That's why, that's why epoxy oh, can handle okay. temperature. You know, so he's talking about the resin to make it, right? No, no, the, the, the carbon comes pre-impregnated. That's why it's called pre-pregged. 
pre-impregnated with oh, wow. the epoxy that is activated with heat, right? So we have the plates, the, I'm sorry, the, the presses. Uh, the, the press is a quarter of a million pound pressure uh, that would apply pressure to, let's say, 100 um, sheets in, in different levels, you know, different plates. And uh, so you cure them at 350 degrees. Normally it's 200 degrees, 220, something like that. But the Boeing one, because it's a crazy resin and a crazy carbon, they use 350 uh, because they want the, this thing to be really resistant to fire. And the modules of, of that thing is just through the roof. It's not a regular carbon. So the first thing that we had, the problem we have is like, oh great, we got this super duper carbon. Then we tried to cut it. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't cut it. This thing was, oh my God, impossible to cut. So we started looking for for stuff to be able to cut it. So we ended up buying um, um, uh, uh, air cushion type um, router that could handle the speed and the bits that we needed for that polycrystalline diamond bits. So to be able to cut in a, in a, in a something that would make sense, you know, to, to cut it in time, you know. Uh, either that or, or every every piece that you cut, you would have to switch the the, the bit, you know, the the the, the carbide bit, because it would not last. So um, recently, I actually have a, had a friend that PM is like, dude, I I crashed the the Mostro, and I was trying to make a part out of that thing. I can cut this thing. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> we had the same problem ourselves, you know, and that's why that thing can handle so many crashes and. It doesn't break, you know. It's just it's just insanely strong that carbon, but it wasn't, you know. It, it was we were lucky that you know we got access to this uh, material that Boeing had custom made for them, and we ended up with the craziest carbon ever. You know? <laughs> but it's pretty cool. It's fun. Um, is there, uh, I guess, is there any is there any correlation between you guys shutting down your, your, um, your, your business and then maybe not being able to find that carbon anymore or. What's that again? So yeah, you mentioned, you know, that you're now in the hobby as just a, as a hobbyist and I'm assuming. Yeah, I was away from the hobby for five years. Oh, okay. Uh, so well, I, I didn't know if, if part of the reason that you were no longer selling these helicopters was because maybe you couldn't get that carbon. Anymore. No, 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 no. I, I got sick. And I had to leave the company to to my partners that that particular one you know about and uh after i and I was completely isolated because I was really sick and I learned about eight months later that uh they had closed the company and all that It's a long story, but it's pretty much uh so i wasn't not only that i I didn't actually have, have um um, like if I had left uh, like regular normal person, I would have uh, stocked up on parts and things and who knows. And I didn't because I went when I was sick. So but, do you, um, do, you, do you regret not, not keeping the company going or is it one of those things that it was had its time and now you're happy to move on? No, no, it, it bothered me because I didn't take any part of the company. In other words, I didn't have them pay me anything because I didn't want to put any load uh, on the company because uh, I wanted them to be able to keep on providing customers with their spare parts and making kits and stuff like that. 
Uh, but, you know, they decided that uh, it wasn't what they wanted to do, apparently. Uh, Was uh, the Mosca so, the only helicopter that you guys ever produced? Or were there others? Oh, no, no. We started making, we made six helicopters. We made the Avant uh, FX, the Avant EFX, the Aurora Nitro, the Aurora, the Aurora Electric, the Mostro Electric, and the Mostro Nitro. And we also had a Mostro 500 that nobody got to see because I, I got sick. And also an engine, you know, an Avant engine. And it was all machine from, from billet aluminum. I think I, you saw a picture, right? Uh, yeah, I saw the picture of it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It, it's, it's beautiful. It's chrome. It's beautiful. So, so that was a, 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 an engine that was designed for, for even more power, you know. Uh, but, uh, and it was, because if, if you guys have ever seen the racing engines uh, for pylon races, there are some of them that are machined from, from uh, aluminum, you know, from, and when you machine something instead of a cast, you don't have the, the problem the cast has to, to suffer breaks, you know, cast, the crystal information of the casting makes the, the aluminum brittle, you know, in a way, that's why you see sometimes these breaks that are like grayish, you know, and the, I don't know if you have, guys have seen that. Uh, when a when a crank uh, crankcase breaks, it's like a it's like a sand, you know, sandy type of um, surface. Whereas um, aluminum uh, extrusions um, are aluminum in a different form. It doesn't have a crystalline the depositing of the crankcase. Right. So you can do a lot of stuff with that that you cannot do with a crankcase. You know, I'm sorry, with a with a cast uh, aluminum. Is it's way more strong than the other one. Uh, so that's why the racing engines and pylon engines, pylon races are all machined from, from billet. And that's what we did with that, uh, with that engine. So we could, you know, abuse it. And that engine also, and, you were saying that engine didn't make it to market? No, because I, like I said, you know, I got sick and I left hmm. the hobby and, you know, yeah, I think that, um, you know, I wasn't even aware of the Monstro until I saw it in, you know, one of the Sims. And it was, uh, I see. you know, at that point, it had already been discontinued for, for quite a while. So, yeah, I actually don't know much about the um, about the Avant company. So it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you had mentioned earlier, Frank, that uh, that there was some involvement with HeliFreak. So how did how did that come about? Oh, well, um, HeliFreak, yeah, that's something that... that there's a lot of stuff in the hobby that I did that people were not aware of because I'm kind of a private person in most of the things that I do. You, Hoggy, you don't say. You're a private person? No. Yeah. Uh, you, 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 are, <laughs> you know that I am. <laughs> Even though I am very vocal in the hobby and stuff like that, I'm, I'm, I'm private. In, yeah. Wait, it, it makes you feel better. No. You know, there's only, there's only seven people that listen to the show. So it's, it's just like a group of small, a small group of friends here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. In, in the sense that, that like for instance, you know, like what you mentioned, or Helifreak. Um, I've got to give you a little bit of the back, backstage of the hobby kind of a thing. Uh, so Will James got sick of cancer. And he called me and he said, Augie, um, do you want to buy Helifreak for $10,000? And because uh, I need that for, for the treatment of something like that. And I said to him, 
Well, I would not feel comfortable doing that because in a way I said, um, I would feel like a conflict of interest in the sense that, that you know, being a manufacturer also going to, to, uh, to own a forum, it's, it's kind of a, it's a difficult situation. I don't, I don't want that kind of a, of um, flack in my life, you know, I don't want to, but let me tell you something going, what I'm going to do is while you are um, handling that, I'll take care of the expenses for Helifreak and, and you do, you do your thing, you know, you one thing, you know, so, so people, the first thing that happened was uh, if you, if you go to the Wayback machine, you're going to see the, the Helifreak, how it was. It used to be run with a BB forum or something. I forgot some package there, some free package. And uh, so the first thing I did was okay, let's let's redesign this uh, this site. And um, so I hired to uh, actually it's not hired because uh, they were actually my server. I also had some stuff that had to do with servers and things like that. So I had servers. So the first thing that I did, and the reason why he approached me with that was, uh, at the time, uh, Helifreak needed space for video service. Uh, and there was no YouTube at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was providing the server with something called Augusto Healy that had all the videos of all the famous pilots online there was no youtube so i was hosting the videos for all the pilots and because of that he said can you also host these things for helifreak because we cannot afford to do that now so yeah no problem bring it to me and i was hosting that for for helifreak for a while and because of our relationship when that happened with his um uh, cancer uh he told me you know you want to do that i said no but i'm going to take it out so i i got two of these software guys that worked for me um, Thomas and um, and uh, Brian, and assigned them to as uh, freelancers to work for Helifreak, uh, hands off. In other words, uh, you do whatever Will tells you what to do, and you know just just send me the bill. You know, so I would just pay for the for the software, for the development, for everything for Helifreak, and that's when Helifreak became what you now see as the like green and red uh, site, you, you can go to the Wayback Machine and see the difference between the two. So that helifreak that you see right now, the one that is red and greener, that was my design, me. I designed that 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 actual thing for, for helifreak. Really? Yeah, yeah, that was actually me, that the whole um, uh, colors and, and the shapes and the whole design that's the one thing that I did. I said to my, my guys, I said, okay, that part I want to handle because I want it to, to be something that is enjoyable and easy on the, on the ice and, and easy to, 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 you know, it's something that, that doesn't tire you, like the white in your face uh, that Ron Ryder had. And the thing that I did was I told, I told Ron Ryder, I told uh, Mark Ryder at the time, I said, Mark, I'm going to do this for, for, for Will because Will is sick. And I just want you to know that because I don't want you to, to think there's some fishy thing going on. And um, 
that was in, in Vegas, at a Vegas on flight. I told him that. And uh, he didn't like it because he thought that would be a good opportunity for him to take over the market. And being, and he knew that I, that I was involved in, in internet business and servers. So he knew that he was going to get good, good hardware because I, I put a whole, you know, column of service for him. You know, I, I assigned servers, uh, people to, to take care of that. So, so Will was, for, was one of your businesses running like a server farm or? Not actually. It was actually the software running on some of the software um, simulators and stuff. They use humongous number of servers. Oh, okay. and, Just kind of hanging out and, uh, already. Yeah, I had it already. So it didn't. So that and and the, and the bandwidth, I know it was recorded anyway. Yeah. So I went ahead and, and and just simply said that, and I told, well, well, we're gonna give you a crazy, mm. and because of the way it was handled, it immediately took off and and became the number one um, forum, um, and it went to three thousand thirty six hundred people a night. You know, they were online. So for eight years, I paid for that. Until I got sick, and then I told um, Will, I said, Will, I can't do this because I am sick and I need to to uh, leave the, the you know, I, I got to disconnect myself from all this stuff. So, yeah, so for eight years, the hobby and everybody and every company benefited from that, from the fact that I was funding Helifreak and and uh, that I kept it uh, alive for eight years, and nobody knew about it. Now you know it because it's not important because I'm no longer a manufacturer of helicopters or anything like that. But that's what happened, you know. That's really interesting. So you, yeah. you essentially funded pro bono. You you had Heli Freak going pro bono. No, no, there was a reason for that. I, I tell you that, and it was there was a reason why I did it too. Uh, anybody that knows uh, Mark Ryder knows that he has his moments and uh and handling of the website and the way he would not have anybody you know like a team of moderators something like that it was like a like a little dictatorship and i thought because i like my hobby i don't I, this is something that people might not understand how much i love my hobby i mean you have been in the hobby for 53 years you have to love it you know, and um, so what happened is that I thought we're going to be in the hands of this guy if I don't come in and jump and, and hold this fort. We need to have an alternative because if this guy goes crazy, which he did a few times. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, there was one. Uh, I don't know if you I actually have a copy of that. Uh, he went crazy one day and put on on the on the. Uh, 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 f uh, the front page of uh, Run Rider, F U F U F U F U F U F. It was a whole page saying F U. I have no idea what that was for. The whole day stayed like that. Everybody was like, "What's wrong with this guy?" And who knows what happened? And we never had a, any 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 explanation of what happened. Um. But anyway, so back in the day when that happened. I said, the, we cannot depend on something like that. We can, so we need to have some place where things are normal. 
you know, some under under control of normal people, you know, level-headed people, all that. We cannot depend on some some lunatic going crazy and doing this stuff, you know. And I have told that to him. Don't don't think uh, he, he can he can listen to this podcast and he knows. And I have text messages for him. And there was a point where I actually had to send my lawyers to him, so he knows. Um, really, like it that? Oh yeah, that serious. <laughs> Okay. Oh, yeah, because he started blaming me for when well, he was, uh, uh, there was a point in time was when his website was attacked by a DDoS attack, right? Okay. Constantly. It was crazy. So um, we were friends, you know, I just, so, just so you know, when he started um, Run Rider, I was the one who brought him his first advertiser, MRC. So, so. <laughs> really? Oh yeah, yeah. The hobby, because I used to fly uh, for for Hirobo, and um, and um, MRC, which was a distributor. I told uh, the the manager, dude, you need to help this guy. You need to get because we need this uh, forum for for the hobby. So he was his first advertiser. So that loan, I had, I knew that guy. So when this happened, I I called him and said, what's going on? He was like, I don't know, some some attack and this and that. I said, is there something something you can do? He said, well, I can buy this appliance. And he told me what it was. And how much is that appliance? $70,000, $72,000. I said to him, well, let's do something. Uh, I'm going to buy the appliance for you, and you're going to pay me with advertising. And so that you can, you know, defend yourself and stop this thing, because this is crazy. You're being out of the... You know, it's been weeks and you have not been able to to be online. Then instead of thinking, oh, great, this is awesome. You know, I'm going to be able to buy that. Because I offered that to him, he thought I was the one who was doing the attack. So he started saying that left and right. Wait, he thought and you I'm were like, doing the denial of service attack? Yeah. So okay. I was like, what the hell is wrong with you, man? <laughs> I offered you to, to get to buy that thing, not only that, I bought one for Helifrig because after that, mysteriously, we started getting attacked. You know, I was like, okay, this is too weird. So I went ahead and I told Will, Will, I need to buy this appliance that Mark told me about $72,000 appliance so that we can defend ourselves from these attacks. So I went ahead and bought it and put it and then, yeah, we were free. We didn't have a problem because then the, the, the appliance would take care of that stuff, you know, the, the anti DDoS thing. Anyway, so <clears throat> he kept doing that. He posted on, on, on Twitter and this and that. So I sent my lawyers and said, okay, this has to stop. So um, he got certain papers and my, you know, brought a lawsuit and uh, he stopped because obviously, you know, if he's, you're going to get in, 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 you know, you're going to get uh, sued. Then after the whole thing passed, he learned who was doing the attack. Turns out the person that he told me this, he said, you know who was doing the attack? My son-in-law. And I said, <laughs> what? yes, yes. Okay. My son-in-law, he says. I said, okay, so you blame me for something that your son-in-law, your son-in-law, the, the husband of your daughter, <laughs> and then you made me go through all that stuff and stay on your voice and all that stuff, you know? And I said, do you have anything to say? And he said, nothing. He said, and I said, you're not even going to say I'm sorry? 
It's like, well, no, but you could have been the person. It doesn't matter what could have been. You know who it is now. You know that you wronged me and you still am not going to, to, to apologize to me. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't do it. He would not apologize to me. And he was at Earthshot in 2018. And he came to talk to me and I look at him. It's like, he's starting my table. And I go like, are you out of your mind? What are you doing sitting here? I send lawyers to you. I serve you papers. What are you sitting here for? You're never going to apologize. Are you out of your mind? What is wrong with you? <clears throat> well, you don't understand. No, no, I, I do. I think you're crazy. <laughs> you're completely nuts is what you think. And I'm also and kind of impressed that, you know, there was a father-in-law, son-in-law dynamic that involved a oh, denial of service yeah. attack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's another story. It's a long story. Because, you know, I get, so, I get along quite well with, with my father-in-law, but if I didn't, I don't think the first way I would try to get back at him would be, like, destroying his well, website. If you, if you heard, because I, I know <laughs> the whole, the whole uh, it, it, it's, you think uh, Days of Our Lives is, is a soap opera, you have no idea how this is, you know? Augie, I Keep thought in the mind. hangout was full of drama, man. You guys were killing it back in the day, man. We're a bunch of, dude, we're a bunch of sissies compared to what you guys were up to. I, I wasn't, you guys were I taking legal kidding. action and shit, dude. All we do is talk dude, shit about I, each other. I, Dude, that's but, why that's why I keep telling people it's like, dude, don't Frank. Frank, it's because you're not making I'm any money off guy, of the website. If you were, get, you'd be you'd know. have lawyers involved. <laughs> What's that? I said Frank. Frank's not making tons of money off the off of the hangout. If he was, he'd have lawyers involved. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so so. Well, anyway, so so that's why he thought because I was involved, and he was like, "Oh, uh, um, Augie is." Um, Augie took controlling interest on Heli Freak. Somebody told me that. And I'm like, what the hell? You know? And uh, so at the, at the end, you know, my lawyers took pictures of, the, of these uh, things and, you know, sent him the papers and, and he stopped. And then we learned about what happened. So, oh man, that was so weird. Anyway, so that's my involvement. That was my involvement with. Uh, Haley Freak, and um, and then I had to leave because I got sick for many years, and and then I came back to the hobby. I went to fly an airplane out a field, and then I saw a, a helicopter, and I look at the things like, hmm, <laughs> I think I like this more than this. <laughs> so I started looking at that. So I went and just picked up my monster, and I went to the field. I said, ah, let me give it a try. I was instantly. Do you still have again. the capacity to produce spares on your own for the Mastro site? If you were to crash one, yeah, actually, actually, I do. I, I, I you know, like all these guys that you see on Nitro Nation, like uh, Jay Sideway and and Tom Sheen, and all those guys that are flying Mastro, they get the parts for me. Oh, but cool. Don't tell anybody, okay? Oh, right, right. Oh, no. Again, we're, we're only seven, only seven people listen to the show. <laughs> oh, so, you know, yeah, your secret, your secret so, is safe with them. Yeah. So, so yeah, I did. I and and uh, um. Uh, Ebot Relling, that's my uh, Tobias Miller. He also got that. Uh, that uh, we actually built his monster from spare parts. And Daniel to Daniel uh, Turkasov, his Nitro 120 monster. It's also built with spare parts. So yeah. So um, how much were you selling those for back in the day when they were in production for uh, for a kit? Uh, nine hundred something like that. Nine hundred and something. That's amazing for such a small operation uh, to be able no, to sell no, it at, at a price competitive. Uh, 
Okay, no. the operational weapons mode. No, um, no, it wasn't oh, small. Well, sorry, sorry. I, no, I no, realized that you have the backing, the, have the backing the, of the, large operations. <laughs> yeah, so the, the the helicopter section of that operation was small. The operation wasn't small. I mean, the, the machines that were making those things are fully automated machines. There, there's no way how the a company could buy those, you know. Um, I remember um, one of the two people I let them in and visit was uh, uh, Trevor from from uh, from uh, Midland uh, Helicopters in the UK. He's a good friend of mine. He went and saw the machines and he saw how fully automated machines worked and that uh, his jaw hit the floor. He was like, oh my God. Well, that's kind, of, that's kind of what I meant. Like small operation, meaning dedicated to helicopters, it's fairly small, but you're running machinery that's, you know, could build oh, a yeah, space exactly. shuttle if you needed to. <laughs> no, no, not, not, not much, but, but it would, it would, um, uh, these are machines that work 24 hours a day unattended, completely automated. And, you know, so, so you just say, okay, I'm going to make, I don't know, if you're making helicopter parts, I'm going to make yokes, right? And the head blocks. And you turn the machine on, and if there's a problem, the machine texts you and tells you, oh, I'm having a problem, blah, 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 whatever. And uh, so by the time you come back in the morning, uh, there's, I don't know, 400, 500 parts, something like that in there, waiting for you, ready. So that is the only way you can manufacture in the United States and compete with China, when there's no labor involved. Because then it's only material costs and, and depreciation of the, of, the, of the products, right, of the machines, equipment, assets. And there's a distance between China and us, and that transport makes a buffer that allows you to compete. You know, I, I was able to compete with, there was a Made in USA top-notch uh, kit competing with the Alliance and anybody else without any problem, you know. So, now you can make money in the United States as long as you go automation. And All that's you need the way is you a uh, fully automated aerospace company to begin with. And then you're good to go. <laughs> no, no. I, I, even <laughs> you know, in, in in a lot of it's like it's like electronics now. Right? You have electronics and you have pick and place machines and things like that. There is no humans involved. So, so the difference that used to be when this whole thing with China started was because of a labor difference. But now with automation, that's not happening anymore. So a lot of the companies are coming back to the states because it makes more sense to make stuff here, and that makes me very happy. I'm so pro America, it's not even funny. It's, 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 um, I think we need to manufacture to keep uh, our identity here, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Augie, uh, one yeah. thing that I'm always intrigued about is your influence on, on very, very influential pilots now. And, you know, could you talk, talk to us a little bit about, you know, the kind of your team at, out of Vaughn and some of the guys that were there? Oh, are the people that flew for me? Yes. Well, uh, Nick, Alan, Marcus, um, Daddy, Daddy Sebo, uh, um, Jason Bell, Ben, Ben, um, Stork. Storic, uh, Jesus, so many. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I'm forgetting like like probably ten people. Um, uh, German kid, what's his name? Um, yeah. Daniel Jessin. Daniel Jessin. Yeah. Um, I don't so, know, just so a whole bunch. All these guys have have, have 
have developed into amazing pilots that you know that are that I call it the super pro. You know, they're just they're just that they're that one percent. It's just that crazy. And I know that you you taught me uh, a lot about flying using your method and stuff like that. And I want to get into that, but I kind of want to build up to that a little bit. So I'm choosing these words. Um, how much time did you spend with those guys when it came to like their flying and stuff like that? Because I you you've influenced no, my no, flying. No. No, no, not all of them, you know, uh, I spent time with, uh, with some of them. Some of them were too good, you know, were already super good. Mm -hmm. I spent time with some of them. And um, and also keep in mind that those are the ones that you know, but there's a lot of people in the team mm -hmm. uh, that are not the factory pilots, that are pro pilots. And those are the ones that I worked a lot with, you know, on, on teaching them how to uh, um, refine maneuvers and stuff. Because one of my hobbies is maneuvers, you know. You know that. I, the more difficult the maneuver it is, the more I like it. And uh, so I am a, a little bit of a, of a freak when it comes to – and if somebody calls a, a period in TikTok uh, – I'm sorry, if somebody calls a, a um, school – uh, course crew appeared in TikTok. I go berserk because it's like, no, that's not us. That's not a period in TikTok. That's a course crew. So, and what's the difference like, what? between a period in TikTok and a, and a course crew? Because I, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but yeah, what's the difference? Yeah, I, cause I can't <laughs> tell the difference. Yeah, yeah I see that both. was a conversation that, that uh, Scott Graham and I had. He actually asked me the same question. Uh, I, I, okay, let me let me illustrate it this way, right? Let's say you're doing a period flip, right? And uh, let's say you're period flipping away from you, right? Okay. Uh, in other words, the flipping part of that is flipping away from you and you're pirouetting while you're doing that, right? A period in TikTok is simply going from 45 on the period flip to the opposite 45 and then come back to this one and then go back and forth, you know, between this 45 and the other 45. So 45, 90 minus 45, minus 45, 90, 45. So you're actually going and your pure flip is going and you are steering your stick going to that end and then steering your stick back, going back again. So you're actually pure flipping that way and reversing your pure flipping, your flipping direction towards you again. So it's actually a pirouetting flip that is interrupted and reversed in flipping direction. That's what a pure flip TikTok, pure TikTok is. A course crew does not have any of this steering. A course crew is this. You do, you go up, you put the heli, you know, vertical like that. You go full rudder, let's say to the center, to the left, to the right, and then your, your, your um, aileron to the left. And then the heli describes a sharp um, funnel uh, uh, or, yeah. And, and what you do is, and you go up and down on the pitch so when your heli is inverted okay so you have like a 45 degree inverted heli you give it negative pitch and it pirouettes and when it's 45 with the rotor on the top you go positive pitch you know back and forth up and down so your heli, your your hand is stuck towards the middle let's say uh aileron to the middle a rudder to the to the middle too, so to the right, and the only thing you do is go up and down on the pitch to 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 keep it from falling into the ground. 
that's a, a, that's a, a course crew. There is no steering motion, no pure flipping. It's simply a sideways funnel kept in the air by pitch. There is a very good video by Jonas from the AQRC. If you go to the AQRC page, Walking it has. Yes, I'm actually what? I'm actually watching it right now, and I see what you're I see what you're saying. If exactly. you hadn't described so that, that is, difference, though, I would not have been able to really tell the difference. Exactly. So that is a course crew, and it's a very easy maneuver to do. If you pay attention to that video, you will see how that super cool maneuver is very easy to do, but it's very difficult to do it precise. And the other thing that you have to learn is how to time your pitch so you can move it sideways, up, down. So let's say you want to move up. You simply exaggerate your your up and down pitch so you start climbing. And then you want to move to the left, so you time it so you apply the, the, the pitch so it's a way, instead of being down a little bit to, to one angle, and you start moving left or right, and then you give less pitch and it comes down. So it, it, the, 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 the flying that is based on the pitch and the timing, the amount and the timing of the pitch. That's how you describe maneuvers in the air. Now, one thing that you can do with the, with the without it, which is something that I that I like you to do, is when you're doing that, you can also give it a little bit of up and down on the elevator, and then you can make your course crew rotate on this vertical axis and go with the skids in. And then the same thing, uh, uh, you can continue, and then you can go back to skids out. And that's done by... Um, Cantunoy, he does it half, half of half course group, half that. But this guy CD CD, I forgot what is his last name. The guy that won cookie, the cookie, the cookie, something like that. CD, 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 CD yeah. crazy CD, dude, you know, crazy dude, yeah. CD yeah. and that flight, the winning flight. If you pay attention to that course crew, he does he does it slowly, the whole three sixty degrees. It's an absolute beautiful course crew. That is difficult. That is a master maneuver. So a course crew is easy. A course crew like that is super difficult. Pedal flipping TikToks is an actual pedal flip that you stop and reverse your pedal flip, the, the flipping part of a pedal flip and reverse it. So anyway, so I, uh, I, I get you... to, to involve it. <laughs> I have, I have one great. question. Um, now that you're talking about that, because Javier's here. I am here. <laughs> hey, how you doing, man? Hey, how are you? Good. I, I'm. I'm. I. That's uh, a long story. Why I'm. Why I'm late. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Um, I just. I just wanted to ask you, Augie, because um, the for me, uh, the now that you're describing these maneuvers, um, the part, the, the pure TikTok, uh, for me at least, what I've seen, is basically the helicopter, um, tail down to the ground. Um, disc towards you, and then j basically just flipping the rudder, kind of like uh, you know, just just rotating itself, uh, kind of like um, perpendicular to the ground. Uh, so that that's kind of like what I call a, a, a pure TikTok. Uh, that that is a very cool maneuver that seems to be very popular. But now that you described the course the corkscrew and the pure TikTok, now I'm confused. Hold on, hold on. Um, you should I'm, actually uh, send, you a, send you a link here. So if you, if you weren't to, if you weren't to actually describe the difference between the two of them, 
I would have thought that a corkscrew was just a sloppy Piro TikTok, to be honest. No, no, these are two maneuvers. Yeah, and they are. It's they definitely are, obvious the, now the that you. The corkscrew is absolutely beautiful. The corkscrew is one of the most elegant maneuvers, and it's and it's simple, but but if done right, if, if the timing is correct and all that, something that you can see like a CD or Campunoi. I mean, that is beauty right there, you know. And 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 that's my hobby within the hobby. I I get in, I am into maneuvers. That's why I created that that crazy um what's the name uh the Marco Chesi called it uh the hourglass. The hourglass, you yeah. Know? Um, that one, I feel I lost a heli with that one. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> the that that maneuver. He, he killed. Really he killed a. Would you kill the the specter or the kraken with that one? The specter, you know. Yeah. See, we didn't know that. We didn't know that thing was going to take that many amps. So, anyway, so so I like that. So it's in that case, in the case, in the kind of and the one where about the the hourglass. Um, imagine. Have you seen the, the some Mikado kids that do this um, this. Um, uh, tunnel where they put the nose in one spot and the hell is, is doing like a V, right? Like a cone around the nose. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's um, what's his name? Uh, it's a Cessna, uh, Cessna, whatever I think. Uh, okay, so so the, t- the, the, the nose is in the in a spot, right? And you see the tail create, doing a circle on the top, on the top and it's doing like a, like a V, v uh, cone shape, right? So I thought, okay, how about I want to make it so I can, while, while, while still funneling, you know, that's a tight funnel, right? While still funneling, why not Peter flipping funnel that thing so you can do a V inverted where the nose now is in the same spot that it was before, right? So that you have a V up when you're doing the top part and a, an inverted V on the bottom side. So you have then... That's why it's called the, the, the hourglass because you have an up V and a lower V. But the trick is to be able to do that, but not you don't stop the funneling and you peer funnel, flip the thing down into the other thing and then back up and down and back up and down. See, this is kind of an oversight, like very difficult stuff like that. And um, so we were at the Snohomish phone flight and we were uh, Nick and... Uh, and Ben, and Jason, and Alan, and me. And we're, we're flying because we get together and we start, you know, because we have been trained forever and they flew for me. And so we get together and it's just so much fun because we start joking and doing stuff. And they like to push me and do stuff because they, they love, because I fly very aggressive, very crazy. You don't so, say. Uh, you fly aggressive? <laughs> nah. So what's his name? Uh, Nick is like, okay, let's do this and that. And so, 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 uh, what's it? Uh, one of my guys says, show them the, 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 the hourglass. Cause, cause I, I told him, I said, at the time I wasn't good at that. Cause I was just learning, trying to make it. <coughs> so I said, sorry. So I said, um, when I see this guy, I'm going to ask him to do it. Cause I want to see this maneuver done by a pro. So I can appreciate it from, from afar, you know. So I went there and I said, this is my I showed them how the maneuver is, you know. This is my maneuver. And they start doing it. No way they could do it. It's like, what the hell are you talking about? How, how, what do you mean you can't do it? 
and they were trying that. We're just laughing our asses off. And Alan is 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 just egging them, and Jason too, and 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 Nick and and, and Wes is just laughing. It's like, come on, Nick, you can't do that. And this, it was just so much fun. But Ben kept, you know, trying and trying, and Ben started getting it, started getting it done. So it's like, okay, I'll be I'll, next time that I see you, I'm gonna be able to do it because it's a tough maneuver. You can't. I don't think anybody can do it like in one shot like that. Even if you're a pro, because it's just it's just it's a mind twister, you know. Um, but that kind of stuff, you know, Nick and I have always liked doing that stuff. You know, he likes, like for instance, the, uh, when he was at the phone fly, and he did the winning flight. He came down and did a trick with the tail, and when he landed, I went like, "Dude, you did, you held," because everybody was wondering how he was coming down in a death spiral, but somehow the death spiral was slowing down. You know, it wasn't just falling hard. And I told uh, uh, Mike, um, Marcus, because Marcus and I and, and Danny were sitting in the golf cart right next to, you know, in the corner where he was flying at. And I said, Marcus, look at that. He's holding that heli with a tail. Look at that. He's using the, the vertical lift of the tail because he's giving it so much torque because he's a three-bladed, he sound look at the sound of the blade. So the tail is pulling up, so it's low down that. So he, he landed and I go, Nick, I saw what you did there. You did this and that. He's like, Yeah, man. I've been trying to tell people that that's what I'm doing. Nobody understands it. It's like, yeah. That was absolutely masterful. I think you won you won this competition with that maneuver. And he won, you know. And but because this guy, you know, Nick is in another level. I'm Ben too, and Alan, you know, it's like Ben is, Ben is. I, I have watched Ben because I, when I lived in Vegas, Ben was in my in my you know my field with Alan a lot. I've seen Ben fly incredible maneuvers at a speed and a precision that I I always tell him he's one of the most underappreciated pilots because he's so good but he's so humble and quiet that people don't realize how good he is he's amazing to watch and i've seen this kid do stuff i wish people could see that stuff you know so yeah but anyway so but like like i said you know going back into the hobby being again, a hobbyist, makes me enjoy this stuff, you know? It's, I'm, I'm now having fun with all my friends and my old friends, and, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's so much fun. And, and now I'm, you know, always hanging around with uh, Frank and Angel and Mark and all the, the crazy admin guys, you know, Tim and uh, Chris Nutt. <laughs> And all those guys. It was fun. The thing I, I want to do like really bad is going to an East Coast phone fly. Because I want to get to play with all those knuckleheads, you know. Oh, man, I, I just want to be a go to RCO, RCHO or uh, the Spring Fling or one of those and, and have a good time. You can, you, you, you can mention mine too while you're at it. You can, if you're going to come to an event, you can come to mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, if the vaccine is available, I'm going to be there. That's for sure. Oh, that's and awesome. I'm going to hit up so many heli events next year. It's not even going to be funny. Yeah. yeah. All of them. Same here. Same here. 
Um, so I think I want to ask you this because me, Javier, and Paul, we've had this discussion and um, the school of orientation versus, you know, the school of detective <laughs> flying. And I know, Frank, Frank, before you go there, before you go there, I just have one more question for Augie. Yes. Um, because hearing all his, uh, you know, part of the background, because I, I feel like I've lost already a lot that I'll have to re-listen to. But, um, but you know, uh, Augie, um, you know, with your background of, you know, CNC and building and owning an actual helicopter company, and now what you're talking about, the maneuvers and uh, going into complex maneuvers and, you know, thinking how mm -hmm. to do that. I want to know, uh, are you more of a flyer or a builder? Oh, so it's okay. I am a designer and a flyer. I hate building. I hate fixing. That's why I want to design helis that don't break. Because I just <laughs> cannot stand fixing stuff. It drives me crazy. Fly it into the ground, dust it off, and oh, throw no. it up again. But Augie, yeah, I've heard right stories of you building a kit from start to finish in like three hours. No, 142. 142. That was an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah, yeah. That was with JJ. He, he actually timed it. And he's like, I said, Do they and, have well, which one was it? Was it the Kraken? No, the Spectre. The Spectre, okay. So the Kraken was, uh, hold on. And it took me an, hour, know, and 42, Dan, Dan, an hour and 42 Dan. minutes to open the, open the replacement parts for my Spectre crash. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is that, is that, you know, I've been flying for a long time. I've been building stuff. So, so it is, there is no mystery to me. I just go and I know exactly how I have to do it and I do it quickly. I also motorize tools, you know. I don't, I'm not going to be there with my hand going, you know, rotating that hand to, to put on a screw in. I have a, 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 a motorized um, screwdriver, all those gyro ones. And it goes in way faster, you know. The Dewalt one, right? <laughs> yeah, it's I the best 40 bucks. The, yeah, the Dewalt one, yeah. I have to say something. <laughs> I can do that if somebody puts the Loctite on my screws. I can't not do that if I have to do the Loctite because the Loctite takes a long time. If I have like a, like a nurse, nurse hand me the M3 by whatever, and I start doing that thing. Dude, I can build those things quickly. And, and I want to do it because I hate building. I, and that's why the cracking, when I build the crack, it's like, oh my God, it's like a blessing. There's almost nothing to build here. It's like all built already. You just put it together and just. Well, I know fly. it's funny once you once you finish the transmission, you're like, oh shit, it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's done. Yeah. And the tail and the thing, it's like, wow, this is this is fun. So. Yeah, I surprised myself. I was like ready for a long night of building, and I was I was done after like three hours. And then I mean, obviously, I had to wire it, but I mean, that was the fastest thing I'd ever built. <laughs> oh man, the wiring on that heli is stupid, beautiful. stupid fast. Yeah, the yeah, wiring was actually just as fast as, you know, just faster than any other helicopter as well. That, that child there with that, with that oh, God. That's just, so that, that's I, I, I told, uh, I said um, that they, they, they really broke them all. They, they designed a new, something completely new. I, I love the fact that, I, I like the, the industry and the hobby to advance, you know, and, and, I, and I appreciate designs, no matter who makes them, I, I just love them, you know. If it's a good design, I enjoy it, and I, and I buy it, and I fly it, and I have fun with it. Um, and if something that, like for instance, the Spectre, I like, it flies really good, and it's easy on the pocket, man. You crash a thing, and it's, you know, a few hundred bucks, a hundred bucks, something like that, and you're back in the air, so you can do all these stupid stuff with it. 
Man, and that's I, what I do. I, I drove mine into the ground last, I mean, two, three weeks ago, and How I spent it? a total of $130. Exactly. Including, that's my point. Including blades. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. It was so, amazing. So. I broke the boom, I stripped a tooth on the gear, and then I had some, like, bent, uh, like a bent a blade arm or a, a control arm. And that was it. Like, it was, yeah, that was it. I mean, $9 boost, boom, come on. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was amazing. $3 landing skill. It's like, hello. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just, but, but even with that, you know, I know that's, that's my, my bitch, like I, I say, because that thing, oh, God, <laughs> I, I spanked that thing left and right. Like, like, like that maneuver, the, the, the uh, hourglass, that's the machine I use it. There's no way I'm going to use a, uh, the cracking for an hour because that thing smoked the motor and it crashed because you know it's so hard anymore. And uh, well, you know, it was like probably a hundred bucks, you know, total, including blades. And uh, I said, awesome, man, let's just go back up and you know, and keep on, on testing and doing stuff. So that's why I think you, you need those two machines you need a machine that is your, your beater machine, you know, something that you're not afraid to do stupid stuff with it. Because I remember I used to say, you want a company, you want to make a helicopter, and you want happy crasher customers. A happy crasher customer is a customer that crashes you in something stupid. So in some, some clown thing, some, some, some stupid stuff, he's going to crash and you go like, ah, what the hell, you know, serves me well for trying this and that. No biggie. But if you're flying and the thing all of a sudden explodes in the air with no reason to you're not going to be happy crasher you're going to be a very upset crasher and that's not what you want you want a customer that is happy because he crashed the machine doing something that that he was feeling that he could try with the machine and and that's where we are nowadays you know most of the machines in the market are actually machines that don't fail in the air you know i i don't know if I think that pretty much every machine that is in the, in the market right now it has the, the market has taken it to a point where all the machines are reliable. And you well, can fly I, think, I think Javier could probably contest that for you. Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's that that's not the fault of the machine. That's me. Whatever machine <laughs> you give me, I will find something that's wrong with it. Why? Well, you fix, fix it till you break it. <laughs> give us give us an example. Come on, tell us. Well, it's it's just that you know, everything. Everything. I I have so so bad luck, Aki. I mean, everything everything happens to me. If there's something that has to happen, I mean, I've gone through things that you know I posted on the forums because I like you know to share what's happening to me and to understand if someone else has done it as well. And they say, hey, you know, I know like at least twenty people that have been flying for the last ten years the same exact system and they haven't failed. You know, I've had, um, uh, you know, hot starts um, on more, the most recent one is hot starts on my spirit flyerless. My brain, um, my brain yeah, unit, I had an start. issue with the governor. Start or? No, uh, the, um, no, oh, no, don't, don't talk to me about nitro, Augie. You're not going to fall on my good side. <laughs> yeah. Augie, um, Javier's uh, allergic to nitro. Not just allergic. Fuel. Allergic is yeah, talking word. about it. <laughs> allergic is the best word. <laughs> it's allergic yeah, to hearing about nitro. <laughs> so if you really want to, if you really want to, he, he gets. If you start talking about nitro, he shuts up. 
So if you ever, ever want to get a word in Javier, start telling him about engines and stuff like that. It was amazing. We had an episode with, uh, you know, about gas. We need to, we need to give him a, say a single word. We need to give really him Javier a nickname, like Nitro Javier or something like that. Come oh, on, dude. Yeah, Augie, yeah. Augie, come on. Uh, everyone told me you were this super nice guy, you know, uh, <laughs> amazing that, you know, a uh, friend of everyone. Oh, come on. I mean, I've just been here like, two, what, 10 minutes? <laughs> we still need to set yeah. up that GoFundMe to, to purchase Javier a Nitro machine. So. <laughs> Go fun to get him with a nitro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So you're saying, so come on, tell me the whole story. So, so you had a hard start with an electric. Yes. Yes. Basically what, what, what it boils, boils down to is that I found the only uh, receiver and, you know, it's the, the brand of the receiver and the type of the receiver <clears throat> that happens to have an issue with my flyberless system that, and I was able to repeat this uh, very well, <coughs> that, um, that will cause the flyberless eventually after you connect and disconnect it several times to connect to the computer to start by itself. So- um, And he's literally the only one in the world that found I'm, this out. I'm, I'm basically the only one that, that this has happened to. I mean, <laughs> trust me, so, I've, I've been through, through things that, you know, Everyone says that, but not no one has ever had that happen to them, and it happens to me. I mean, I would be it's, perfect quality assurance guy. That's what I was thinking. It's, I, I was going to tell you that I see an, a business opportunity there for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you can sell your services as a, as a beta tester. Yeah, the problem is yeah, that we no joked about this for a year. No one wants to sponsor really me. They want they want me to fund all those issues. <laughs> No, I, that, like, that, what's that, the point of what's the point of finding a problem that only Javier will find? Yes, yes, <laughs> you've got a point. <laughs> I'm the only one that's that that. I mean, I find them, but then no one else, no, <laughs> not, no one else cares about it because no one ever happens to it. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, hold on. So we were we were um, we were going back to the orientation versus no. Yes, right? yes, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm sorry. I, I kind of, uh, I usually do this soggy. I. <laughs> I go no, and the tangent goes on for like it. half an hour. Where, where this stems it. from is because on our last episode, we were talking about the need to have orientations down versus the need to kind of say, you know, screw it. Okay. And okay. I tried to start to say, and there's something in the middle where like, you obviously have to know how to fly decently well before you start doing crazy things because intuition is a learned, in this hobby, intuition comes at a slower pace than intuition for other things. That's where I was, okay. that, that was my take on it. I, I think that, that, um, that very few people understand when I say uh, insignia flying and orientation flying, and they they try to explain it in their way and this and that, and and it's and most of the times they're not saying or 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 understanding what I'm saying. <clears throat> I'm going to to explain what it is and and uh, and uh, the reason why lately I started you know, revealing this, which has been something that I've used for decades. But there's a reason why I'm starting to, to open up about it, okay? Um, so uh, I was, uh, I was uh, reading Helifreak, and there was a thread where, where um, a guy was telling the other people, he said, uh, we used to be 12 on our club, and, uh, you know, Guys were flying and this and that. They kept trying to do 3D and this and that. And, 
after five or eight years trying, they said, you know what, I'm never going to learn. And oh, they all were saying, I'm a, I'm a smooth flyer, quote, a smooth flyer, end quote. But they wanted to learn, you know, secretly they wanted to learn 3D and uh, and kept trying and crying and they, they left. And then from 12, we became eight. And then from eight, we became four and four, we became two. And now I'm all by myself. And the reason he said, and it was something that, that happened, he said they all got frustrated because they wanted to understand or fly or somehow achieve that level of 3D. And they were not able to. And that right there, that, I want you to stop for a second and think about this. That is something that repeated everywhere. I can tell you because I've seen it. That is the cry of the hobby. The cry meaning people want to fly and they want to learn to do 3D and fly hardcore and all the things. Now, if that is not fixed, I don't think their hobby will return to its glory. Because the glory, the, the glory of the hobby was when people got excited, they got into the hobby, and they have the hope of being able to learn how to fly like the pros, fly 3D and do things and this and that. And as time passed, you could see that people were trying and trying and you had a peak and then it started declining. The decline was not the, the drones. The drones were the refuge where people went to, to go after they got frustrated trying to learn. So that right there, and this is something that I want you guys to think about very carefully. That, what the guy said, is the proof that what we're doing is not working. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? What we are doing is not working because people have left the hobby. Somehow what we're doing is not allowing people to learn to fly like that. And this something that we're doing is trying to teach people to fly with these orientations and all the things. Now, how, how and why is that important? Well, if you somehow brought people back into the hobby by letting them know and showing them that they can actually fly 3D, then the whole thing gets resolved because people start flying and enjoying. And this is something that I have done and I have seen many times. I was talking to a very, very famous old pilot. And he wanted to, I don't want to say names because I don't know whether he wants me to say those things or not. But. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. I know who you're talking about. Exactly. Very famous. Very, very well known. Well known actually, very well known. Very well known. And he was frustrated because he, he has been flying FAI and stuff and this and smooth. And, but he was kind of tired of the hobby because he wanted excitement and he was never able to. So I said, okay, if you're willing to put the time, I'm willing to go ahead and teach you. And he's old, so 
he had the preconception that he would not be able to heal. You know, people think that old people have reflexes and this and that. I am old. You watch me fly and you go like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, it, it, it's, how come this, this old fart can fly like that? Well, so, Augie, part of the issue yeah. is when you, when you fly and your head speed's at 2,800, uh, uh, you know, going blistering fast, you know, it's scary. But we love it. No, no, but but but, but I tell you what, and, and then I'm going to explain. And this is this is this is something that I have researched, and I actually paid a neurologist, and she did a study, and we worked on that many many years ago, and I spent time with her, and because I wanted to understand how it works, so I wanted to be able to get my guys, you know, some of my team guys, to excel. And I want to, I'm, 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 I, I love my hobby. I, I just, this is something that to me is important, you know? So when I saw that, I thought, this is, this is actually, remember I went, you know, I was sick. I went out the hobby and they came back and I said, you guys broke my hobby. What the hell did you guys do with my hobby? The hobby down. I see all this, you know, save the hobby. I forgot what is it, the thing that they say, keep, keep, keep their, exactly. You know, it's like beating a dead horse. That, that, that's not a way to, to promote a hobby. What you want to promote is this hobby is fun as fuck. That's why you want to be part of it. Not because you want to keep it alive. You want to be in this hobby because it's fucking fun. That is what you need to do. If you don't do that, you're never going to recover the hobby. And how do you make a hobby fun? You get people of any age to do 3D. Why? Because that's the thing that is fun. That is the truth. If you don't accept that truth, then you will never get out of the route. You will never get the hobby back into where it's supposed to be. So because I have been doing this for many years, I said, you know what? I think it's time we had the fight what I called my friends, I said, we're going to have to ha have the dreaded war between the church of orientation versus the church of the instinct flying. Because this war needs to happen or our hobby is dead. We need to teach people that they are not limited. They're simply doing it wrong. And I'm going to tell you an example. People that you know, I can tell you because I know that he doesn't mind. Wes Miner. Wes wanted to, he wanted to do fear flips. He was doing some weird thing. I forgot what it was. It looked kind of like a pure flip, but it wasn't a pure flip. Uh, or was one of these pure flips where things are like synchronized kind of a way. It's, it's a weird, I, I would have to explain the whole thing. So I said, uh, Wes, so if you're willing to do it, let's do it. So I started working with him. He has already all this knowledge, right? He has this way to do his spirit flip. So I started with him, and this is something that you can check with him. We started at a certain time, and I said, okay, try this. Understand him a little bit in a different way, and start doing this. And he was like, no, man, no, this and that. And I said, oh, you know what? The problem is your previous training is blocking learning the way it's supposed to. So why don't we try pirouetting to the other side? He's like, what do you mean? He's like, pirouetting to the right instead of to the left. 
you're used to the left, let's do it to the right because you have no idea how to do it, right? Okay, so that's where we want to start. So your previous knowledge cannot interfere. So he started doing that and then he got it, doing it to the opposite side using this instinctive method. And once he started doing that for a few minutes, like 10, 20 minutes, then I said, now try the other side again, because your brain's already used to that and your brain knows that this is possible. He went to the left and guess what? He was doing it on the left. And he started doing left and right, left and right, left and right. And I said, okay, let's try to do this maneuver now using this concept. I started Peter hurricaning. He was doing pirouetting loop, Peter hurricane. And this whole thing took one hour and 32 minutes. From him not doing that to him doing pure hurricaning, pure looping, pure flipping, pure whatever he wanted. And a week later, at Urcha, he did the demo for the rocketry people doing those things with his heli. I'm talking his Diablo, he went, he started doing all this crazy stuff. A week before he had learned that, now he's doing that. So this is an example of what you can do. Now, why is that important? Because the whole mysticism and the whole, oh, this is difficult, stuff like that, is nothing but bullshit. It's simply something that people haven't figured out how to explain, how to teach. And when you meet people that are really smart, you know, like you meet somebody like, you know, a nice or something like that. When they have that kind of knowledge and that kind of security, they tell you and they explain things simple because they are not afraid that others understand it. They are not, they don't want to have you think that he's a good, you know, it's a big shot because to him that is normal, you know, so he doesn't, so that is something that 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 the way I look at it, none of these maneuvers are difficult from the point of view of you can do them. Any maneuver you can do. But somebody has to tell you how to do it in a way that you can use your normal natural way of learning to learn how to fly. And this that's where we get to this point, you know. Our bodies we're not designed to learn that way, the way we're trying to teach people. You don't go to a guy that, you know, in uh, tennis, for instance, and tell the guy, okay, take the racket here, move it 45 degrees this way, 22 degrees, apply 27 newtons, and direct the, the thing that way, and, 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 and that direction, and practice direction, and make sure that it happens. Give me sense. Because nobody can think that fast, cannot think the motor functions that fast, and that's why you are limited. So what happens is that if we had to depend on thinking, we would not be here because, you know, the long tooth saber tiger would have eaten us. We learn how to react instinctively. When we were babies, we couldn't even understand instructions, and we had to learn how to walk. You know how we learn? the way our body is designed to learn by connecting action and reactions. And that is what creates actual motor memories. A person of 70 years old, 80 years old, 90 years old 
if they are standing, that person that is standing there has about 4,000 contract, contraction of muscles per second to stay standing. So that person at 90, without realizing it, has those reflexes to make him just stand. Those same reflexes can actually let the guy fly. But you have to connect them. The moment you put a brain understanding between the action that you need and what you're looking at, there is a filter that is a low speed filter, which is understanding and making a decision and reacting. And then making the, the helicopter do what you want. When you have that filter in the middle, there is no way you can react fast enough. And the moment you start sinking, that's when you crash. What you need to learn is how to fly something the same way you move your hands. Like if I tell you, okay, show me a TikTok with your hand. You go, you take your hand, go up and you show me, you start you know, moving the, 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 the hand back and forth, right? Showing me a TikTok. Did you have to learn how to do that? No, you just wield your hand to do it. Because your connection to your hand, your motor connection, your muscle memories allow you to do that. So what I wanted was to figure out a way to make that happen while flying. So there's a, let me give you an anecdote. Huh? I was with Jason, Jason Bell. And I think it was at a phone flight. Yeah, it was at a phone flight. And somebody asked Jason, oh, how, how, how do you learn how to do this and this and that? I just well, started saying, well, you need to learn your orientation, this and that. And I said, whoa, 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 wait. hold on, Jason, hold on. So Jason, I've known you since you were a kid, right? So yeah, okay. Why do you want to fuck up this guy's life? I said, what? I said, yeah, that's what you're trying to do. I said, what do you mean? And he goes, and I go, um, Jason, let me ask you a question. Think about it for a second and remember, how did you learn how to fly? It's like, what do you mean? It's like, I can tell you because like I was there, I know. Your father and, my, and, my, and I were friends and you know, you were a kid. And you got what? A simulator and you flew a simulator with nobody teaching you anything for a year before you had your first helicopter. You were fl flipping and flopping the thing around because you got connected to that as a game. Did you have any orientations? No, that's true. Did you actually connect with the thing? Yeah. So what happened when you went to the field? You knew what you were doing and you saw the helicopter and your motor function immediately took over and you start flying, right? It's like, yeah. Did you do any orientations? No. So why do you want to fuck his life? He's like, you're right. He's like, turns around, he's like, do what he says. <laughs> it's like, don't do what I just told you. Just do what he says. Pay attention so he knows what he's talking about. So I said, see, this is the thing. I said, you are trained to repeat like a parrot what everybody tells you. Learn your orientations. If you don't do the orientations, you cannot, you're not licensed to fly. Don't try to fly without orientation because you are not being responsible. Blah, 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 blah. So this is what happens. If you're flying with orientation, if your brain is in the middle between what you need to do and what you wanted to, that is dangerous because your brain cannot think that fast. Your reflexes uh, okay, can. hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I've, got okay. a, I've got a butt in here because I feel like there's a, like you said earlier, like when you started, there's a, a misunderstanding about what mm -hmm. you were saying, you know? And I, I think that yeah. there might be a misunderstanding between what a lot of people are saying learn your orientations means. Um, and I can, one example that we like to use a lot is, is musical instruments. And so one mm -hmm. of the things that, 
you know, I did over and over and over again as a kid was learn fingering positions and scales on a guitar. Um, not because I wanted to play those notes. Like I don't ever want to go sit down and, and play a scale for fun. Like that's not the point of it. Mm -hmm. The point of it is to play it over and over and over again so that whenever you're thrown into a situation, your fingers naturally go to those spots. Okay, so, so, stop there, okay? Listen to what you just said. You were practicing over and over and over until you did without thinking, right? Exactly, and so I view orientation oh, wait, the wait, same wait, way. Wait, 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 okay. The problem is that you are able to do the transition because you forgot the part of the, of the instructions and the analyzing and looking at counting the number of tracks and, and saying, okay, put my fingers this way or that way or that way, right? Exactly. And, exactly. and that's the okay. whole point of it, is that at some point it becomes instinctive, but it doesn't start out being instinctive. No, 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 and that's the problem. It happened to you, you are one of the lucky ones where that transition happened. That's why you could fly 3D. And from my experience, what I have learned from customers and, and a lot of people that I have talked about, they are shackled by this orientation approach and they think that they need to be completely in control at all times, knowing exactly what the hell is doing our orientation well, and that. Exactly, which is what you say is impossible. It's an, it's, you can't, exactly. no, one, no one can think that fast, as you, exactly. as you mentioned before, and I, I, firmly, I firmly agree with that. But they take it to this point, to this, to this uh, point that it becomes a block. So, so I mean, that is kind of the natural progression of being a good musician. Obviously, you know, you, but, just because you know your scales doesn't mean that you can improvise, but everyone who can improvise started with scales. Not, well, not everyone, but most people. So there, there is a transition that happens, but you have to be aware that that transition exists. And if you just want to play scales your whole life, well, congratulations, you know how to play scales and that's literally it. Um, mm -hmm. but, but yeah, like I, I do feel that, you know, like one of the simulation simulators I use is, the, uh, is Heliax. It has a reaction training tool on it where it just throws your helicopter in a random orientation and you have to save it before it hits the ground. Um, it, it, if you practice that doing, over and over and over, yeah, doing, have, doing orientation you, practice allows this, me this to be able a, to do This is a good example. This is a good example of what I'm talking about. If you do it fast enough, then... You can't think uh, about it. It's too fast for you to think. Exactly. Yeah. So you're doing... So you're not thinking, right? You're starting to act as a reflex. But, those right? or, but I'm going to go back to the fact that those orientation training lessons and the fact that I spent hours hovering in all directions then allowed me to make that leap to not thinking about it. I disagree. This is the reason why. <laughs> well, you're laughing. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, Ben. I, I love I love listening to this conversation because Paul, I, I love listening to you because I was in your place. What I'm saying is, it's like learning orientations has not been a hindrance for me learning 3D at all. In fact, I view it as very helpful. Okay. Let me ask you a question. A guy that flies, a guy that flies FAI, do you think he knows his orientations? In other words, yeah, oh, can yeah, handle absolutely. it. Obviously, uh, yes, okay, absolutely. Right. Well, that person can now do 3D, right? And the reason why that person cannot do 3D is because this training, this formal training, is ingrained in his brain and prevents him from thinking the way you need to think to do full 3D. Wait, I'm sorry, and you're saying that those people cannot do 3D? No, I'm talking about a, a particular case, for instance. I, I did not about, know that they could not do 3D, but that, I don't no, know no, much many, about competition flying. No, no. Many of the pilots that are doing that, 
don't do 3D and they want to learn 3D. And one of them, you know, like I said before, we were talking about that and now he's doing pre-writing loops and this and that and all kind of stuff. But the reason why I don't get into this kind of conversations usually is because of this. Yeah. I get into this and I got, but anyway, it tires, it's a tiring uh, argument that I have on that. <clears throat> Well, right. no, this is, this is exactly why we wanted to have you on. I think it's a great argument Absolutely. to have because, no, no. because I, like I, you I, said, I, it's something that obviously I feel strongly negatively against. I don't even realize why. So I'd like to know more about where exactly. you're coming from. Correct. I, I think, okay. My, my, what I'm trying to say with that, so, I, so you, you don't mean to understand what I said, what I meant when I said that, is that there is a training about the need for orientations that you get so much resistance when you try to tell people orientations are actually the reason why you are limited. Orientations is the reason why your brain is in shackles and why your brain cannot let you fly. You need to relax and start to let your body learn. And the way to do it is simply by doing what you said. Practice mindlessly. And this is something that I Say, for instance, when I when I when I tell people to go and do seeming, I tell them, do seeming while you try to watch the TV series that you like the most. Yeah. Because you're going to be trying to fly while at the same time pay attention to the to the show, and all of a sudden you're going to see that your peripheral vision keeps the hell in the air while you're paying attention to the to the to the to the TV show. And your body's like, don't worry, just watch your, your show, let me fly the heli. And that has worked so well for a lot of people. They had called me back and go like, wow, I couldn't believe how that made a difference. Things like that, uh, things like, for instance, understanding the well, retina of, of the eye, you know, and how the perception of the helicopter, uh, how to use the actual structure of the retina, where you have the raw, the the cones and the raw, the rods in your red. I, I, I'm I'm I'm, con I'm confused though, man. I'm I'm sorry. I got to go, go back to this. Um, go ahead. So one of the things that I did over and over again when I started was uh, putting a constant rotation rate and then just trying to keep the heli in one spot, right? Like so, it it spins one time every five six seconds, one one revolution every ten seconds, say, or even one revolution every thirty seconds, and just trying to keep it in one spot. So you're, you're talking about slowly pirouetting, uh, yeah. slow pirouetting, okay. Slowly pirouetting and then trying to keep it in one spot. Um, and then just, you know, do that. If you do that for 30 hours, eventually you won't have to think about it. Uh, you, just, you just keep it in one spot. And that's what I consider orientation training. Is that, is, how, how, how is that a bad thing? Because that, why, by doing that, that for hours and hours doing? and hours, you eventually what, you? just don't think about it. Okay, what, you, what you're doing there is not orientation training. What you're doing there... Well, shit, what is, is this? <laughs> okay, yeah, that, that's what I'm... That, orientation training is like, okay, learn to hover uh, nose to the right, nose to the left, nose towards you, nose away. And when you see the heli, think about what orientation it is and, and use that, that training for that. Put your, your brain to understand the heli in that orientation. No, what you're doing is actually the opposite. You're doing it so the hell is moving slowly to the point that you forget the orientation and you simply learn how to, how to react to it. 
you know what you're doing? You're learning instinctively. Well, because... see, I, I call that orientation training. So <laughs> that's why I was so Yeah, and, and, and that's part of the, the myth that, I, that I've always had. Because the same conversation you're having with him, I've had, I've had it with Augie many, many times. And, you know, he... But, but think about there's the first nothing thing. harmful about learning how to, on, how to keep on. a periodic helicopter in spot. Like it's just, no, no, but it's funny. Because... There's no... There, there isn't, great... but, but, you know, the, the breakthrough that you're doing there is that you're not no longer thinking and understanding what you're doing, and that is the difference. And that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you. You are doing what instinctive flying is supposed to be doing, which is fly without realizing or knowing what you're doing, simply doing it. There's a point where you get when your, your, your motor functions take over, and now you're flying it without understanding what you're doing simply you look, you do, like a monkey. Monkey see, monkey do. So because I mean, you I, don't I, even if know. I can summarize, if I can summarize, if, are you saying, and this is something that I've always felt strongly against, but are you saying that um, the recommendation that you pretend that you are sitting inside the helicopter and looking out and then basically reversing or modifying Sorry, the what? corrections relative to a, a, an imaginary person that's facing forward? Uh, I'm, I'm not understanding. What, what is, uh, I'm going to cut this part out because I did a horrible job explaining that. Um, horrible, <laughs> no, you have horrible to leave job. it in. Okay, oh, no, come I'll on. I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. So one of the things I saw when I was first learning was the guy, someone was saying, oh, just imagine that you're sitting inside the helicopter. And if it's facing oh, no, you, you're going to no, like turn left. No. And then you're actually, and I, I saw that, I saw that, that, that oh my God, I was like, no, that's, that's retarded. That's retarded. Like that's, that's like retarded. 17 steps of thinking before I move anything. Exactly. Like, there's no way on earth that, I can do that's, that. That's like three times more thinking than that even. <laughs> no, no, that's the worst <laughs> thing you can do. Yes. I agree with you 100%. So that's I, yeah, I, I think the big misconception here is then like, what is the definition of orientation training then? Because if I, like my favorite thing was the slow pirouetting circles, both inverted and, 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 and upright. But before I got to that point, I did four point rotation. So I would do nose in, you know, nose left, nose right. And then, you know, and then do it all over again. And then once I did that for a little bit, then I started to actually say, okay, now I've kind of got my feet wet. I'm just going to turn on the constant rotation and I'm going to stop, I'm going to stop doing fixed orientations and just let it spin itself until I figure out how to keep it in one spot. But I viewed those as part of a natural progression. Slow slow down for a second. You're saying until I figured out how to do it, figure out means your brain figures out what you need to do. Right. I, I just assumed that was the second step. Like you, you do the first part and then the second part exactly. is you just, that you just forget about thinking you, it. That or, second step that you take for granted is what people don't do. That's what people get stuck at. People are doing that because they are limited to thinking about orientation. Like you look at the helicopter and you, you know what the orientation is and then, okay, so when the heli is this way, I need to control it this way. When the hell is that way? I need to control because that's the orientations I have learned. In your case, you're doing exactly what a person that advances into 3D does without realizing it. They get used to the point that the brain figures out what needs to be done to keep the heli flying. Now, when the, the problem with, with with learning like that is, is that okay? How about when you want to do things really fast, how do you learn that? Like for instance, let's say I told you, okay, uh, let's say a, a pure flip, but a pure flip with a blinding fast pirouetting rate, like blinding fast. How do you how you how you learn that one? 
I mean, the only thing I can think of is it is time because those are things that I will do over and over and over again wrong. And eventually I'll get right. Like for pure flip, it took me forever to learn how to pure flip um, because I couldn't get the feel for it. But once I got the feel for it, it's like, wow, why didn't I learn this immediately? You know, can, it's just, can it's just, you do it? Can you do it at a blinding fast speed? I can do it at full peg. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking about putting the, 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 the rate the of the, yeah, the rate. rates mm. at, 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 you cannot even see the, the, the thing rotating. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can, well, I have to practice at it, but I can, I've been steadily increasing my speed and it just comes to, like you said, figuring out what feels right at that speed. Because it's the, what feels right at a slow rotation does not feel right at a high rotation. Um, but there's no way that you can look at the helicopter and know, okay, once it reaches this point, then I'll turn my stick this way. It just, it happens too fast. The, uh, when you mean when, when, what, when it's uh, doing blinding fast? Yeah. Like it's too fast for you to think about. Like there's, there's no way that you can actually. Uh, exactly. To... That's yeah. exactly. Uh, go back to there. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> my point. Too so, fast to think about it. There you but go. I thought that was obvious. I mean, if you look at, if you no, look at the way the any of these the pros. No, that's the problem. The problem is that it's obvious at... to you. It's <laughs> obvious to you because you already fly like that. If you look at the pros. That is the problem. There's no way that anyone, like, there's no way anyone can You're think that fast. You're assuming that everybody can do that. No, it's not true. It doesn't. <laughs> no, no one can think everybody that. cannot. So I, I think what you guys are both trying to say, and I, I'm, I'm a well, I just realized that we've been arguing on the same side of this argument for the whole time. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. I kept trying to tell you. I, I said, think what you, you are just, you, oh, you're you arguing. Let me thinking. talk. No, <laughs> shut up. You're, you're Cuban. You always have a, a, a way to get yes. to body. Fuck. Let me talk. So, God damn it. Wait, do we have, do we have two Cubans on board here or just one? No, no. Just him. Just him. Augie wants to be like me. Uh, he wants to be Cuban. No, but I think they're the, the Instead of saying um, the church of orientation, it should be the church of reactioning, reaction, right? Well, dude, I, can't, I can't, I literally, it cannot be the only person who has thought that what I was doing was orientation training. No, no, but it, it is, it, it isn't, it, okay, so I, I don't think it is. I think when you're getting to the point where you are. Exactly, you're, you're transitioning to instinctive flying. Yeah, you, you're, you're, not, you're realize, not worried about, you're you not trying to figure out if the helicopter's tilting forward to hit back elevator. You're not figuring that out. You're trying to no, see. No, no, no. You're just, you're trying to, you're trying to make it not hit the ground. Without thinking yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. what that holds down now, to it. Now it took you, so you took you forever to learn how to do fast pickup flips. Is that what you said? Oh, he's still yeah. working on it. It is. Well, yeah, I'm, I can, I can do them now, but I'm, they're not pretty, you okay. know, but I can do them. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it took me, it took well, me a lot longer. Um, like how many do, can you do, do back to back? back? I, I, I have no limit on how many I can do back to back. I cannot keep it in one spot and do it. Okay. Back that's back. normal. No limit. I can't keep but it. But I can, I can, you know, if you give me, if you give me 360 degrees and five football fields, I can do them forever. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me ask you a question. Um, when you do pure flips, how many pirouettes per flip do you do? Um, probably about three. Okay. Can you change that number? Um, I can do one and I can do more than one, but I can't do a, cons I can't do a like, okay, give me two or give me five. Like I'll, I'll pirouette for a few times and then I'll find a spot when it feels right. I'll flip it. And then I'll pirouette a few times when it feels right. I'll flip it. Or I do, can flip you, it every single time. Do you stop at time. half flips? What was that? Do you stop at half flips? Do I stop at half flips? Yeah. Yeah. Like, go, like people, people like pirouette? rest, like let, let's say they rest on the, uh, on the right side up and they rest on the upside down and they rest on the, like, like they do a couple of periods before restarting to pure flip. Man, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not 
I'm not following that description. It's uh, like uh, doing like a parallel loop, but in, in, in the same location where you do. No, no, no. no. What, I, what I meant is that a lot of people do a pier flip and they, let's say they do half a pier flip and they go inverted and then do, let's say one or two pirouettes and then go back and do the other half. Oh, no, no, I can do that. But that's, that, that's mm -hmm. what I learned. That's what I started with. But no, that's not what I do now. Okay. All right. So, so I like, I like half pyro flips and I use half pyro flips to transition into all sorts of other things. But when, it, when mm -hmm. talking about an actual pyro flip, it's a, it's a constant full thing. Okay. So, so one of the things I, 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 I teach uh, people is that the pyro flips are not connected. In other words, it's not like a, like a synchronization thing between the tail and the, and the, and the, how many uh, pirouettes per flip or stuff like that. They try to do this, the thing where they go like a, sort of like a weird flip with the tail rotating half or something like that. I keep telling people that uh, a pure flip is a free uh, pirouetting tail and the flipping uh, section, the, the flipping action of that happening, where you can do as many pirouettes as you, as you want per flip, and it's simply your choice. You know, you can yes. do two, yes. three, uh, 10, 20, 50. That's how I, that, that's, I, I view the pirouette flip okay. as a constant pirouette with you occasionally throwing in a flip. Uh, no, no, I, I mean, I mean that the pirouette flip itself. Let's say, let's say, let's say we go from rise it up, completely upside down, and then back to rise it up, right? So mm -hmm. a full flip. Um, you can do that with three, four, twenty, fifty pirouettes. Yes. Non-stop. You know, you don't have to stop anywhere. You simply do a whole bunch of pirouettes per flip. Once yep. you get that part, you realize that they are not connected. That the flipping and the and the and the pirouetting are not connected. And when you disconnect the two, you open the freedom of flying. You open the freedom of pirouetting flying. That's when you can do whatever you want because you're not limited to this, this synchronization between the two fingers, you know, one doing the thing and the other thing. It's just. It's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's similar to being able to play, you know, two-way independent on a piano. Like if you can play two completely different melodies and different time signatures on two hands, mm -hmm. then you yeah. absolutely know how to do, you know, to do that. So I, I, I so, got you. Yeah. So what what I meant to say with that is that the way to approach the pyro flip, for instance, is to understand it in a different way, and then your body gets it and starts controlling it without having to discern it or 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 understand it or something like that in in a way that that you have to synchronize things and things like that. No. You simply look at that from a different perspective, and they go like, "Oh, I get it. This is what it is." So, uh, as an example, I was showing guys at the field one, you know, the beginning when I moved to Washington. Some of the guys were asking me, "How can you do all the stuff at that speed and this and that?" And I said, "Well, I'll show you something. <clears throat> I'm going to do the same maneuvers. You know, same periodic hurricanes, the same periodic loops, periodic." snakes, you know, anything that you want me to do, pirouetting. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to move with my index finger the stick 
I'm going to push it down. I'm not going to stir it. I'm not going to do anything. And I'm going to keep on flying, pure flying. And I'm going to take my finger like that. Like I put my index finger on top of the, the right stick and I simply push it down, you know, whenever I needed to. And they were like, so they started watching me doing pyro flips, pyro loops, pyro hurricane, pyroating snakes, pyroating anything. And they, because I kept my radio high, you know, and they could see my finger simply going flip, 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 flip. flip. And they were like, by watching that, and I kept on doing it for a lot, for a while, and they said, "Oh, I get it. So that's how you pure fly. Oh, oh man, it's so simple." Everybody started realizing, it, and they get. And I said, "Now you're starting to get, yeah. So this is what pure flying is, and this is what pure flipping is. That simple." So they went back and they said, "Okay, show me how it's done." So we had a computer there. And they said, so this is the, the concept of what you're doing and how to synchronize and see how you can do multiple periods. You don't have to connect anything. You simply have to understand how the maneuver really works. And then your brain is happy. Your body goes like, oh yeah, I can do that. You don't have to worry about it. I'll take over. And they couldn't believe how easy it was and they started doing it. So you have to get the training and you have to get everything to match with your with the body. The body needs different ways to understand and react to the maneuvers. Because this whole thinking and thinking and thinking everything that we're doing, it's preventing you from doing those things. Once I saw that, they and I said, you need to demystify this this 3D flying. 3D flying is easy. They just make it the too complex. It yeah. Oh, sorry? No, the hell it is. G flying is difficult. Not easy by no means, but it's it's achievable. No, it isn't. Well, it I'm, isn't. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious then because you know you, we talked about the golden age of flying and, and people that were interested in, in learning this and having fun and it, that's kind of mm -hmm. disappeared. But it seems like you know back when that was a thing, when there were more, when there was more interest in the hobby, um, the the tools for learning this stuff digitally were kind of in their infancy and you need lots of helicopters Bingo. to be able to Bingo. learn instinctive flying exactly. or one I, simulator. <laughs> exactly. When I was learning pirouette flying, Jason Krause came to me in a like, I don't know, 1999 or something like that. He's like, dude, is something wrong with your tail servo? <laughs> he's like, no, I'm just, I was trying to fly with pirouetting, you know, I, he looks at me and I that's not going to stick. <laughs> I said, okay, I guess. So, you know, um, nowadays, I don't see anything that is not <laughs> Everything is pre-ready. So, but that was a, a funny thing. And like I said, uh, I, don't I guess I don't understand how that could be necessarily the issue because, you know, now we actually have the ability exactly. to, to crash yes. a billion times before you... Exactly. That's what I told Jason Bell. I said, Jason, you were able to do that because you had a simulator. We didn't have simulators at the time. What we had is deep pockets. That's what we had to have because there's no other way you could learn. And he got it. It's like, yeah, that's right. You're correct. I said, yeah, because now with a simulator, so that's why you go on a simulator and you learn the secret flying because you don't have to worry about crashing. And if you have a 3D, a VR, 
then you do the full connection because your brain is thinking that you are in the field. It is, how, I don't know if, how, how good ever, is that? How good is the VR oh, no, uh, experience? I have not flown to the ever again because it's boring, okay. useless. And I mean, let me put it this way. 2D flying is, it's something you can, you can handle for 20, 30 minutes tops, you know. Your brain is like, no, this is not what happens in reality and rejects it. When you're on a VR, your brain is like, oh yeah, this makes sense, you know, because now you have depth, depth perception and the heli comes towards you and you get scared because you feel like the hell is going to hit you. So it's a reality approach. It's very similar to reality and your motor functions, your, motor, your mem muscle memories actually work the same way that real life works. So when you go to the field, you're simply continuing your simming. Whereas if you are 2D and you go to the field, you have to translate the, 3, the 2D to your, to your field, right? And that doesn't happen with VR. VR, you can go at such a fast pace learning. Then you go to a field and it's quantum leaps. You know, every time you go to the field, you are so much more advanced and so much more advanced. And sorry, um, and when you, um, when you um, sing, sing on, on VR, you can sing for hours because your brain is not rejecting it. You're enjoying yourself, you're having a good time. And if you use voice chat with all your friends, oh man, it's, it's a riot. It's like, you simply, another thing is that you're, you, you wanna look at somebody flying, you simply land your heli and you move your head and you look at the guy that you wanna look at, same way as, as when you're at the field. You know, you want to see the other guy, you turn your head to the other side and you see the other guy flying. Just like you are at the field, you know, you're looking to at whoever you want to fly. There's no keyboard or something like that. It's simply like you are at the field and you turn your head and, and then you take off your heli and you go and crash into the other guy or whatever you want to do. And, um, and, and because VR is that realistic, you know? Well, I'll, no have, to, I'll way. have to try that because I, I've got a VR headset. I've got an Oculus Quest 2, but um, okay. I don't have a... Uh, I've got a computer on order that should be able to hook up with Next, hopefully. Oh, uh, yeah, um, Next is awesome. Because Mac, because <laughs> right now I'm I'm simming on uh, my Mac, and VR is not supported on the Apple version. It's only supported on the Windows version. So yeah. So how oh, yeah, get a headset, man? We can all do it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That that sounds like like a good option. Um, I keep, I keep so, thinking so, about these. So let me, think... let me finish, let me finish okay. getting back to, to your, right, right, right. your thing. So you are actually doing um, instinctive flying without realizing it. What's and instinctive? that's what I want. <laughs> huh? Sorry. Sorry, that's that a bad joke. I was saying if it's instinctive because you don't realize it. But... Exactly. That, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 true. That, that's the point. You know, you don't know that because you're not doing it with your, your conscious brain. Your, no, your, but I still, your body I still to take, cover. I, I still take a very, um, I, I, I have a favorable opinion of those early exercises of learning how to hover in place in all different orientations because, because they led, able because to they led it. to the next step. I, I, I didn't no, realize that you there know was what, a problem you know with led, it not leading to the next you step. You know who That's led to the next step? You. You were able to release yourself from those shackles and uh, trans transition into the into the instinctive section and that's why you can fly like that so what what i want is for people to be able to use a method that they can break those shackles and go straight into into instinctive flying by 
training the way a baby learns how to walk because we have simulators now. You don't have to be paying a fortune to learn how to do that. And, and that's what, uh, and I tell something, I've done this so many times for so many years and I've seen it work every single time and everybody gets so happy. Hey, look at that guy, Marco Sessi, right? Marco Sessi, when I met him, he was a good flyer, but he, you know, he wasn't what he's uh, flying now. When I was teaching him how to do this uh, stuff, I told him, I said, you're going to hate me for two weeks because, yep. and remember that, right? <laughs> I, remember, I remember the two weeks exactly, how frustrated I was. Yeah. You were frustrated because the problem is that your, your brain starts fighting you and then you forget how, how to fly. So Marco called me. He goes like, "Dude, I, I'm 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 forgetting how to fly. This this makes no sense." And I said, well, "I told you so." And he was upset and this and that. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, we're we're not we haven't talked in that while. And a couple of weeks later, he sends me a video of him flying, doing all kind of cra crazy stuff. And uh, and I go like, "Nothing, not a word." And I go back, you muscle. Now you know what I'm talking about, what I was talking about. And he responded, LOL. Like, yeah. So I okay, gave him you so be, much such a Can you be more explicit on what the two weeks of me or anyone hating you would entail? Like what, what, what do you what do you tell that person to do for the first oh, two no, weeks we, that makes them to, that makes them like yeah. unlearn or, or all so. kind of stupid all kind of stupid exercises. Try to do it this way, try to do it that way. They what happens is your brain starts learning the correct way and then it's fighting all this this thinking thing. So when you try to, to do it again the other way, uh, you're realizing that you're no longer able to do that because your body, your brain is like, no, 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 I don't like that. I like this new way. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then you call me back and said, I hate you. How come you made me forget how to fly? And I go like, there you go again. And the story repeats, and everybody hates me for a couple of weeks, and they love me after that. So that's what happens. So what's so, going to happen here is, is Frank's going to give me your phone number, and I'm just going to start calling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get. We, that's what I do. You know, we get on on um, on the same on, uh, on the same, and they go like, no, no, do this. And in other words, I look at your 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 flying, and I because of the experience I have, I can tell you, okay, so this is what you're doing, and that's what you're doing, and and sometimes. I figured out a way to explain stuff to you that goes with what you're doing. And then it clicks. When it clicks, it just clicks and, and it's yours. And, and it's like, a, like an aha moment, you know. You get it and it happens and now you're free to fly any way you want. And, and then, well, it's, it's a long story anyway. So, but it's, it's um, and it's not only, the, we're using spirit flip just because it's what everybody wants to learn. And I don't have a problem with people learning how to put a flip. Um, but also, there's a lot of techniques for backwards flying. The, the and scoop. I, and I, the scoop. The scoop, for instance, for, for the scoop method for the, for the rolling circles or rolling eights, you know, back and forth, reverse rolling. It makes it so easy. And you go like, oh, that makes sense. Now I get it. And you start doing it. Da, 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 da. And then now you're rolling. And then you're doing rolling loops and you're rolling uh, uh, ace, rolling whatever you want. And then, I mean, if you have ever been with me on a simulator, I go like, okay, I'm going to roll. And then I start rolling, rolling, rolling. And I go forward or backward, whatever. And I start rolling and doing any 
no, number of shapes in the air, you know, a Q and A scrolling and anything, you know, and doing a, a um, you know, low pass rolling with a, a snake rolling or whatever, you know, and and um, because of the methods, you know, each one of the maneuvers, there's a way to look at it. And the thing is that once you get four, five, six, seven ways, then you understand what you need to do to look for a way for you to learn your own maneuvers. Because now you understand how to look at maneuvers differently. So your body likes to do it that way. And, and it, it matches what, what, you, what your body likes, you know. And that's what a lot of people tell me. A lot of people tell me like, you know what I don't have anymore? Stress. Now I'm flying without being stressed because I used to fly and I would get home and I was tired. I was so much stressed because I'm flying and I'm going to crash and, and I have to look and I have to pay attention. Now I'm just flying and worrying about the maneuver, looking at how paint the sky with it, you know, how, I, how the shape of the loop is. And I, I'm not even concentrating on anything else. I'm just looking at the shape. Is it rounding off that loop or not? Okay, I need to go this way or that way. But the maneuvers happen and they don't even realize it because they are not concerned and they are enjoying the flying. They go home and they feel that they did a, a great uh, day of flying because they did the maneuver they wanted to. And now at this point, this helicopter is secondary and that's the part you want to get to. The hobby becomes the fun thing, which is let's try see if I can make this maneuver, like make it happen, if I can do this maneuver. And the helicopter is like the tool that you use for that. It's like the computer, it can be simply a tool to run a software, right? Well, the heli is the tool to do the maneuver. Then you, your, your um, uh, perception and your, your point of interest trans, uh, turns from the, the machine to the actual shape and, and, and the thing that you're gonna describe. Because that's where complexity starts to, 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 uh, to be at. And, and that is a real challenge, you know? And the reason why helicopters are so addictive and, they, and once you get into them really and you become a good 3D flyer, why you stay with it is because you can never master it. There's always a challenge that you can think of but you go like, wow, that's going to be difficult. And then you start working on it and you make it happen. And you go like, oh, wow. And then you get a feeling of, of accomplishment, which you don't get when you're flying an airplane. No, you can actually a little bit, but not as much as a helicopter or any other RC hobby. The helicopter is art. That's the way I look at it. It's, it's a tool for you to do art in the sky. And once you get to that point and you start looking at that, then you become... Like I said before, the hobby within the hobby, which is maneuvers, difficult maneuvers and all that, because you're no longer limited by, by understanding everything that you're doing. You simply go on and start doing it. And I know it sounds like it's difficult, but uh, let me tell you something. I got guys, 72 years old, Peter flipping on the deck. And they couldn't believe that their reflexes were still there. And said, well, are you, aren't you standing? Aren't you walking? That's a lot more difficult than doing this stuff. And they're like, what are you talking about? So, like, so I tell them, they're like, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. So started doing with VR simming and there you go. Now we got people doing stuff that supposedly all people couldn't do. 
yeah, if you have to think the person that is 72 years old is not going to think that fast like a younger person, so that person is going to be limited. But if it's reflex-wise, the reflexes are way faster than what you need to do uh, helicopter flying at any age. And I know that. And I, and so I have proven that over and over. And I do this because I like it. And I, and I, I get an enjoyment from watching people go from, from not being able to fly to become a good flyer. I get an enjoyment. That's, that's something that I, I love. You know, I love because I see, there you go. That's another guy that will be in the hobby forever because now he's enjoying it. He's not stressed. He's having a good time. He comes to the field and he releases all that in the field and, and enjoys himself, you know, and that's what I like. And, and, and that's what my hobby is for, you know, and, and, and part of that, my enjoyment is that, you know, like, I really like uh, seeing guys progress because then, you know what, I get, I get a lot of friends that fly with me, you know, they're happy, then they're going to stick with the hobby and then our group is going to grow and we're going to have bigger fun flights and we're going to have bigger uh, um, nights uh, with a fire and you know night flying and this and that and, and that's that's what uh, you know that's what the hobbies about you know fun friends, fun flies, jokes you know it's it's, it's a social thing and uh, and the helis is is there for for all of us to to get together and and have fun. I mean I, I look at those videos from our CHO guys. So guys are having a lot of fun. That that looks like a like a fun thing. That's what a hobby is about, you know, having fun. So the more people you get to fly and enjoy themselves like that, the bigger the the the, the group is, and the more people are in the hobby, and the more the hobby grows. We need to break that. We need to get everybody to learn how to fly 3D without any limitations. If that if we can do that, the hobby's back. Believe me. That's what will will bring the hobby back when people don't get frustrated, and it's possible. Just, just you have to actually. If if you don't think that's possible, it's never going to happen. But if you do, believe me, it can be done. It's really well. It's really well put, man. Um, I I think that you know I I first personally speaking, I spent so much time in the hobby by myself with literally no one else that all of these things that you're describing, these hangups, these mental boxes, the, the shackles, as you put them, um, I, I don't know a whole lot of people that fly helicopters at all, let alone people that are not able to fly 3D and want to. Um, so it's interesting to be able to talk mm. with someone who has a much more clearly formed idea of I what see. all of these things mean. Because the, the words that I use to describe some, and this is something that's funny that you know Frank and I have talked about in the past that you know, every hobby, every, you know, every uh, niche has its own lexicon. And when you start to describe things to someone who uses the same vocabulary, but they don't mean the same things, you get into yeah. these wonderful, <laughs> these wonderful arguments where you're like what we no, no, were talking was, about. This was we're, great. The same, we're, talking the same, we're talking about the same thing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you're defending something thinking that I'm against it. And no, I'm not. You're actually doing it. You're doing exactly what I tell yeah. people. This is the way you want to fly. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, so this we, what you're we, doing and enjoying. That's what I want everybody to do. Yeah. Exactly what you're doing. Just because you're right, there was um, there was a time where, man, like I liked to fly because I liked to come home without crashing something. When and I realized that that was a horrible way to enjoy a hobby. Like you exactly, can't, you right? can't enjoy but a hobby imagine, by like enjoying imagine, not crashing something. Imagine how long would you have lasted if that never changed? 
Yeah, probably, you're right, probably not very long, you know. Um, you would stick to it until you were like, you know what, the hell with these things. And, and, what, I, and what I started doing was watching Star, old, old reruns of Star Trek and pirouing and keep trying to keep the simulator in Are one spot. Are you kidding me? So you did yeah. exactly what I was, and, and not only that, Star Trek? I, I like Star Trek, so. <laughs> You're talking to the right guy. I love Star Trek. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, I, I watched like seasons one through six of The Next Generation while pirouetting upside down. Oh, my God. I'm falling asleep, guys. <laughs> exactly what I tell people to do. Yeah. Watch yeah. a show that you want to do. And, 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 you know, in the corner of your eye, you're going to be flying it and you're watching the show and you're, you, you're ready. Well, because, like, dude, flying in a circle me. is I'll really boring. You know, you got to watch TV. Exactly. Right? Exactly. There you go. See, there's a technique but right see, there. But That's see, one I, got the this from, I got this from a post on Helifreak. And the post on Helifreak was about orientation training. So in my mind, this is all part of orientation training. Well, they like Apparently it. it's not. So. <laughs> okay, so one last question I did have, because I know it's, it's getting late for Frank. He's, he's uh, it's almost two in the morning over there. Not really. Oh, sorry. But um, the one thing that I, I say one thing, I struggle with a lot of things. Uh, one thing that I struggle with in particular is you know, if you're learning a new maneuver, a maneuver is like a finite element. It's a unit uh, of work and you can learn instinctively, like, a, like let's talk about a funnel. You know, if you want to try to keep a funnel flat and once you know how a funnel works, you can move things around and, and adjust your pitch and adjust your, your whatever and your, your speed in order to keep the funnel in one spot. And you are at that point, in, like you said, instinctively flying a funnel. But right. the hard part that I, I run into is, is, you know, when you, when you look at really nicely strung together flights. It's about the smoothness between transitions of maneuvers. And because you can do maneuver great, that doesn't mean that you can fly well. Because like I can do pyroflips, I can do funnels, but if you want to connect one kick-ass maneuver into another, that is entirely dependent upon where you choose to end one maneuver and where you choose to start one maneuver. And that's where like, you're, it's kind of like the wild west. You know, there's no, guide, there's no guide rails anymore when you're transitioning between two maneuvers because it's all up to you. And I well, feel that, that there's... That... Yeah, that's it's just simply practice, you know. That's because you haven't tried. I bet you that you Well, see, that's what I do, it. though. That's what I do. I try it in different areas, which in my mind then equates back to orientation training. So, like, I will try to transition between an inverted funnel and a pyroflip, but I will try it, you know, six different ways over and over and over and over again until whenever I happen to transition one way in the field, it's like, well, I've done that before, and this is how it works. But that's still, like, that's still a, a, an ori I still view that as an orientation training. Is it, is it not? <laughs> no, because you're, you're not actually, okay. You're doing it and, and kind of like with the flow it happens, right? Between the one and the yeah, other. And, and it's just, like, kind it's of just like, like transitioning no. between scales and a guitar. Like you have to know those base units of measurement before you can string them together in different ways. But if you don't know how to do that first part, well, you're definitely not going to get to the second part. Okay, hold on for a second. That that you're saying, you have to know blah, blah, blah. Okay. You have to know at the beginning, but they became part of you now, right? Well, yes, exactly. They, they okay, become... so so they are no longer they are no longer conscious. They are automatically when when you think about the tone or the, the musical the music that you want. Because I also play the guitar, and and my my fingers go instinctively instinctively to to the 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 place and the and my hands how they have to be to create that sound that I have in my in my brain. Right, I don't have to go. Okay, this is C sharp. Blah blah. No, right. I just simply go and move it there, and I know that it's going to sound exactly like like my music in the in my brain is is sounding right. That's exactly what you're doing. You're no longer thinking about it. You're re reacting. You're by reflex. You go. You put your hand where you are. That's exactly what you want to do with a helicopter. 
exactly I feel it's sacrilege to say that you know sorry orientations you're no longer needed because they were so helpful exactly that and that's spot. why everybody's afraid of it that's why I say we need to have the fight we need to have this 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 yeah. war between the church of orientation against the church of of flying naturally the flying the way you're supposed to like you do everything you know you learn how to do something you walk without realizing how you're walking and yeah. you, everything you know so there you go you are in signifier you didn't even know that that's what, what you were doing because so you we didn't have gotten, realize we, about the transition that happened without you realizing it and that is the problem and and the, the assumption that everybody can do that that is what you're wrong not everybody can do that and people need a little bit of a, a push a little bit of help to be able to switch from that into into the automatic mode that you you, you do like you're flying instinctively because you were able to do the transition without realizing it. So guess what? Not everybody can do it. And you know another thing? You can actually learn how to fly from instinctive from zero, like Jason Bell did. Jason Bell did it because nobody was there. He just picked up the thing and started wiggling, wiggling the stick, started seeing what was going on. The body was like, okay, so this does that, this does that. And what happened is at a certain point, he was doing and flying. Nobody taught him. So he flew. He learned how to fly helicopters the same way a baby learned how to walk. So he's a natural because it's the same way you learn how, how to walk. So he went to the field. Guess what? The kid is a wizard because he's simply walking. Like you and I walk, he was flying it the same way he learned how to walk. And that's why I said, why are you going to fuck this guy's life teaching him how to fly like that? Look at yourself. You never did that. And he's like, right well there you go so why are you want are you are you trying to make that this his life miserable he's like yeah you're right <laughs> and this, this, has, been, this has been a fantastic conversation and I, I really i really appreciate you coming on we, we actually got um you know we don't get much fan mail but when i we mentioned we mentioned the instinctive flying stuff in our last uh episode with the full-on hope that we'd be able to talk with you in the future and we actually got three or four emails of people that were very curious about, you know, what what does instinctive flying even mean? Uh, because well, and, and I think, it, yeah, I think to which became, I responded, I don't know. Like we'll find yeah. out soon. The conversation <laughs> you and I had, I think, worked as a way to to clarify it because now you understand what I mean, and not only that, when there's a phrase that you you just said, I feel sacrilege. When I say, um, what was the thing that you said? That orientation, what? Well, I, I, I do feel very strongly that when I was just getting started, and even when I, even after I'd been in the hobby for a while, that learning four-point orientations upside down and inverted helped me to then learn how to pyro and not think about it. Like I felt like I could not have gotten to that first part or the second part okay. without. Okay, the so first that, part. but you also said that. You came to the from flying and you were exhausted and and frustrated, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, was that I always when you assumed were doing it was a lack of muscle memory. I always assumed it was a lack of muscle memory, and that the longer that I practiced um, orientation training or whatever you call it, pirouetting, you know, spinning slowly in a circle, the longer that I practiced that, the more muscle memory I would gain. And then I always assumed that the reason that I started to enjoy the hobby more and not worry about crashing 
was because I had acquired a significant amount of muscle memory that came from orientation training. Like that was my, my progression of thought, you know. And that's why a lot of people realize, I think, I'm sorry, without realizing that what happened was your body said, you know what, fuck this, I'm going to learn my own way and you're going to come with me. And the yes. body, the body but, was the one who made the decision. But it took a point to get there, you know. That's what you think. And that's the point that I, because of my experience, I know that that is the perception that you have. But I know because I have gone from zero flying to full flying without going through the orientation training, only going through instinctive flying. Like I said, again, like Jason Bell did. And you should see the people that the way they fly, they fly way better. You know okay. why? <laughs> okay, hold on. We are recording now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Kick my ass. I deserve it. Okay, so, so <laughs> Paul, Paul has just decided to drop off from our call. We had to wait for him for a very long time. He almost lost our entire recording. I was having so much fun. I didn't realize that my, my, my laptop had 4% battery. <laughs> wow. I, and, and, and I told you, I knew that it was the battery. I mean, you created, you created the <laughs> podcast and you cannot even keep the battery charged. I can't even be bothered to charge my damn laptop. <laughs> Uh, I am sorry about that. Um, where were where were we? We were we were talking about. It, it doesn't matter. Are we? Uh, I, I, well, let's just assume that whatever we were talking about is effectively over, and <laughs> we can move to the next. Well, we were we were just saying that uh, we're, we're, since uh, Frank has already gone through the pains of simming with uh, with beat down Augie, it seems, then then now it's our turn. Yeah. So, so he so he he hated me for a while too. Yeah, and you will. You guys will hate him. Like yeah. he will. He will make you not. F you if you feel like you can fly now. Well, after a few, I, I'm not a great few days with him. But I, you'll I, hate I can, yourself. I can fly without crashing. You know that, that's. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> when you start, when you start the, the the program, don't go fly your helis for a little bit. Take a week off. Take two weeks off. All right. And just right. sim, sim consistently, and sim and yeah. and. And I, I think you're, you're you. speaking Javier's language, man. It's like yeah, that's no problem for there. me. I'm not. I'm not gonna be flying for the next four months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you are in the great in the great white north over there, frozen hell. So I live in Florida. Javier's gonna do uh, uh, Augie's method and come March. He's gonna fly the shit out of you know fly the shit out of everything. He will. He will, and will, and it would be like like I I always feel like I'm selling Augie. I don't, and I shouldn't have to. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is is. If you have faith, it will pay off yeah, in dividends. Yeah. I, I tell you something. The one thing that I cannot do is if the person is not motivated, nothing will happen. Nothing. If the person doesn't have faith that he or she is able to do that, it won't happen. Because uh, if you think you're going to lose a word, you're going to lose it. That's the end. Absolutely. There's no... Yep. So, so the, the thing when we were in the middle, of, when we lost a, a poll, is <laughs> you were saying something about sacrilege. Did you just forget all the orientation while I helped you get there? That was the. Yeah, well, that, that no, was no. it. It was. It was. I didn't want to. I didn't want to write something off that I that I felt that even though I didn't use it currently, it helped to get me where I was. And and then Augie's uh, re, uh, response to that was, "That's not true. Uh, you you could have gotten there without it. In fact, you probably would have been better off." 
getting there without it. Is that right? Yes. Um, um, yes and no, but. Uh, no, no, Augie, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> no, no, yes. no, no. Well, I mean, unless no, I'm because, completely misunderstanding so, <laughs> something, the answer is yes. No, 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 no. It, it, it is, it, it is, yeah, it is true what you're saying. Um, but um, what I meant by that was um, that uh, you are a lucky guy that your body rejects that and finds its own way. Not everybody is as lucky as you. And I have found that to be the norm. The norm is that people stick to whatever and they don't do the transition that you did. And, and, and that's, why, that, that's why I want people to learn how to do that and learn and, and, and open the hobby for a lot more people and, and demystify this 3D stuff. It, it, you know, it's not some, some black magic or some, it's simply you're doing it wrong there's a way to do it correctly and, and you can do it. And no matter what old you are and no matter how bad you think you are, you're not bad. It's just, you know, you're, you don't have the tools at that moment and, and simply, you know, if it's right a different way, it, it will actually happen. I haven't, I have yet to, to find anybody that actually put the time and did it and didn't become a really good pilot. And that's what I was saying before that JJ, JJ is an example of zero, zero, I mean, and I mean zero orientation. He doesn't even understand orientations. And you, so, you should watch uh, him fly. He flies awesome. And he flies by instinct, but naturally. That's the way he flies. And whenever him and I go to fly, I talk to him different than I talk to other people because I know he's on the same, in the same channel as me. So we communicate in a different way. And he does the maneuver because I explain it to him in that language. Because I know if I start going orientation or something like that, he'll be like, you're talking to me in, you know, gibberish. It doesn't, I, I don't understand that stuff. And, but you should watch him fly. And you should watch how quickly he learns how to fly a maneuver. It's like, okay, watch me. Blah, 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 blah. And he goes like, okay, let me try. Blah, blah, blah. And he does it instantly because he's connected to his, uh, to his uh, motor functions. That is another example. Somebody that went to fly and had zero orientations, and he's free, he can fly whatever he wants. So, so I have a, a good friend who I am, I have kind of started teaching. Uh, he's a great airplane pilot. In fact, he's you know, been flying RC airplanes for uh, 30 years or so, has competed in the Nats and all that stuff. So he's no stranger to RC, but he's he's never flown he's never flown helicopters um, well. I think he flew them a little bit in the '90s, and then it was, you know, back when again, if you crashed something, well, you were done for a while until you could fix it. There was no oh, sims, yeah. and so he I'm teaching him, uh, you know, to get back into it. And what would you suggest? Because I mean, now I'm thinking that you know all the things that I was going to start practicing with him, maybe that's not the best way to do it. It's like what what would you say to someone who knows their way around a transmitter? And kind of understands RC, but is is learning uh, is learning helicopters for the very first time. Like, what would be the first exercises that you give them? Okay, so so when when somebody flies airplanes, I, I actually find that first. You know, when I talk to a person, I ask them, "Do you fly airplanes?" That, that's a very important question that I ask, and this is why. Um, an airplane pilot, 
has a different set of of reactions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, sorry. I got. I got to say this real quick, real quick before you continue. The very first time that he flew his Oxy Four, um, he went to land it, and he just drove it straight into the ground because the airplane um, reaction is to you know throttle down to zero when you land <laughs> no <laughs> and, and you ripped and you ripped the tail completely off it was amazing yeah. um and that was I, the very first lesson don't do that <laughs> yeah, yeah that, he, he's he's uh, reflexes were to do that and he did it yeah. so so the reason why i asked him that is because then i start asking questions for instance and they go like okay explain to me how do you what do you do, you do when you're let's say a, 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 the airplane is flying towards you uh, if, the hel- if the airplane does this, what do you do, and this and that. Then I figured out whether the person is flying using mnemonics. I, I call them mnemonic because it's like, okay, I hit the 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 side of the of the wing that is down and stuff like that, because that is a good way to start training the person for helicopters, you know, because those are what I call temporary crutches, you know. Um, so like for instance, right, let's say you want to learn nose, nose, um, nose in hover, right? And a way to, to learn that without complicating anything is you look at the heli and, and this is something that I, 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 I'm going to stress because there is something that people don't like, but Guess what? That's a way your body likes. And that's a way you temporarily need to start learning until your body, until that becomes a muscle memory in your body. So what those are things that I call temporary crutches or tricks to learn something quickly and let the body learn. Right. So let's say you have a nosing hovering, right? So your helicopter is right in front of you and the nose is pointed towards you, right? Let's say you have your radio horizontal and you're looking at the helicopter. So if the helicopter starts moving towards you, you copy what the helicopter is doing. In other words, you move your stick towards you and guess what happens, you know? It stops doing that. The nose raises and stops doing that. If it starts, starts, starts going back, you go on, you, you copy that, you push, and you raise the tail. If the helicopter starts going to one side, you go and you also mimic that side. In other words, you go and you follow the helicopter. What the helicopter is doing, you simply go and copy that and that corrects the helicopter from doing. Even though that sounds like a stupid thing and you go like, ah, that's not a way to learn. Guess what? That's exactly the way your body learns. Your body doesn't want to have any complicated ways to understand it. Your body wants to know okay, when I see, when I perceive the helicopter like that, this is the way the helicopter reacts and that's how I need to memorize it because when you're not thinking, when you're trying to watch Star Trek and your helicopter is doing that on the peripheral of your vision, your, your body's going to move and follow the stick if you're doing no scene, right? And we'll make it, we'll make the heli stay in one place. For a while, you learn it like that, a little bit, right? But after a while, you forget the crutch, and now your body is simply reacting to it, which is what happened to you, Paul, when you were doing that slow period and stuff like that. Your, your brain got tired of thinking about it, and your uh, 
unconscious brain say, ah, I know, uh, let me take over here because I already figured out that one out. So you start relaxing and your body starts learning because you're not fighting it. So things like that, like for instance, in that case, you know, and the nose in hovering, the helicopter guy looks at that and the airplane guy will look at it like when the helicopter, I'm sorry, when the airplane is, is flying towards himself, right? He pulls nose up, he, he hits the side of the wing that is down to, to make it uh, go back up. And he's already ha he already has that. And I go like, okay, you want to learn how to do that? What do you do when you do uh, the airplane? And they go like, oh, I do this and that. I say, well, simply that same motor function that you already have stored, use it for that. And then they learn how to do uh, nosing hovering. So a person that has uh, airplane training, you have to use that. If the person is uh, it's already flying without thinking, then you have to take advantage of that motor muscle memory that you have that he has and apply it to the helicopters and it makes it a lot easier for them to yeah. to to fly because they start to perceive the heli as something familiar to him as something familiar to his unconscious brain and immediately i mean it's like it's like in an instant when they go oh i get it and instantly they start hovering nosing in a matter of minutes after they start because they simply fall into their comfort zone and he's, he's actually not he's actually not bad at hovering um mm -hmm. upright i think the problem is going to be uh hovering upside down because <laughs> that's 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 uh, introducing a whole does, new set does of skills he know, that you don't does he know how to uh fly inverted on the airplane oh no he does but it's the whole modulation of the left stick um as far as you know going to oh let me give you an example pitch. of left stick oh oh the left stick i'm going to give you let me i'm gonna and, this is and an the example reason, well, the reason I say that is because, like, when he was teaching me how to fly airplanes, uh, just because I was having difficulty landing, I could, I mean, I can fly an airplane because I can fly a helicopter. But the first time I you, flew... You, you wanted to land, like, uh, throw a hole? <laughs> well, the first time I tried to fly up, uh, inverted in an airplane, um, I did what I did on a helicopter, do what I was doing a helicopter, and I killed, I essentially killed the throttle <laughs> upside down with the airplane. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, wait, wait, sorry, that was just a, that was just, you know, reflexes. Sorry about that. You know? Exactly. <laughs> All right, but... Um... I was going to tell you. Um, We're talking about inverted flight. No, okay, uh, left stick. Okay, left stick. Yeah, left stick. Because that's a, that's, uh, that's a finesse that you don't necessarily have to have in an airplane oh, if you're flying oh, normal let, airplane listen, flight. Listen to what I'm going to say because it's going to be like what? Okay, pay attention to this one. This is hilarious. I don't call the left stick the rudder stick. You know what I call it, Frank? Do you know? I forgot. Okay, that stick on the left is the far or near stick. Yeah, I remember, I remember this. Okay. okay, the far or near stick. That's not the rudder stick, not at all. See, the perception is a very important tool to learn. So if you say, okay, so this is not the rudder stick, what the hell is this that you're talking about? What is this far near? is very simple. When your heli is right side up, right? Let's say we're at a field and you have trees on the background, right? Far there, you have trees. You're here, your heli's in front of you, and then the trees are back there, right? So that side, we're gonna call it far side, okay? 
pie. When the helicopter is right side up, your stick controls whatever the hell is on the far side. If you move your stick to the left, whatever the hell is on the far side will turn left. Whether it's the nose, whether it's the side, whether it's the tail, anything that is on the far side follows that stick. Are you following what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it's like you grab, if you, if you were able to pull your hand, put your hand above the heli and grab the, the far point and being able to move it left and right, copying what your stick is doing, right? So let's say you're flying backwards. Your heli is going away from you as well by flying backwards. You know what you need to do to move that tail that is going away from you? Whatever you want to do with that stick. If you want that tail to turn left, you simply move the stick to the left. If you want that tail to turn right, you simply move the stick to the right. Why? Because the tail is away from you. Let's say that the heli was flying normally, you know, your nose is forward and you're seeing the heli going away. If you move the, the stick to the right, the nose will move to the right. And if you move the stick to the left, the, mo the nose will move to the left. Let's say you're, mo you're flying sideways, right? Sideways flying away from you. That side that is away, that face of the heli, the side of the heli that is moving away from you and is moving towards the trees. If you move the stick to the left, that side is going to move to the left and that side is going to move to the right if you move it to the right, right? Now let's say the heli is flying inverted. So now you're going inverted what happens is now the stick is the near stick. The near stick means the heli will move the side that is close to you, copying whatever you do with the stick. In other words, if the stick moves to the right, your whatever is moving to, let's say you're doing your your uh, flying and your nose is, is towards you, right? If you move the stick to the right, the nose is going to be to the right, and if you move the stick to the left, the nose is going to move to the left. So in other words. Your left stick is the far stick when it's right side up and the near stick when it's upside down. Why is that cool? No? Let's say you're flying backwards, you know, away from you. <laughs> the thing's going away from you. What's pointing towards you? The nose, right? Inverted, flying away. And then now you want to turn to the left. So what do you do? You move the nose to the right by simply moving the stick to the right because it's the one that's near you. Now the, the helicopter is pointing correctly to do the move, right? Let's say it's flying inverted away from you and the tail is towards you because flying forward, right? Guess what is, is pointing towards you now? The tail. So if you move the, the tail to the, uh, I'm sorry, the stick to the right, the tail will move to the right and the stick to the left. Why is that important? Because your brain connects that. In other words, your brain knows that it's moving the close side or moving the far side, whether it's right side up or inverted. When you start looking at that, then it doesn't matter what the helicopter is doing. Let's say you're doing some crazy blue, blue, blue there, and then the helicopter stops. And the only thing you need to do, brain immediately uh, uh, perceives is, is the heli upside down or right side up. And this happened without you realizing it. And now the stick goes like, okay, it's upside down. I'm going to move the stick because whatever is facing me is going to copy me. It's going to copy my stick. And if it's right side up, 
your body will know that the side that is away from you is going to. So this appears to be a stupid and simple way to look at it. But guess what happens? After a while, your body connects with it. Because no, see, your this, body... is, this, is, this is a great advice, though, because like I've, it's taken me years to get to the point where I can just react to something. But even, even you know, every time I go out and fly, even though I know how to react to most situations, sometimes I'll have to like jiggle the stick a little bit just to remember which way I'm going. And then instinct takes over. But okay. that's your short, you're shortcutting that, you're shortcutting that process right exactly. here. Exactly. With this, with this, so, uh, so if you learn example. like this, see this is what happens when you learn like this, you know, that this is what I call again, a temporary crutch. Yeah. Because you start doing this and you practice and practice and practice. And then guess what happens? Your instinctive body, uh, uh, brain says, Hey, don't worry about it. I got it. I'll take over from here. on." And you're not even realizing it and you're moving the stick left and right and doing whatever you want, you know, doing a snake, whatever. And, oh, look at that. I was just doing that. I didn't, I wasn't paying attention because that thing that you learned became your, your motor functions and you are doing that by reflex. That is the way the brain learns. And that's something that this neurologist explained to me. She said to me, look, all that stuff is too complicated for your, for your vegetative system. You need to make it simple. You need a reflex thing and reflex demonic. Yeah, yeah, correct. No, and, I, I think and, that, that one piece that you just shared here is probably the most important thing that's going to affect my flying is that one bit right there because that's the yeah okay. that's, that's where I'm you know that right you know that because you are experienced you know that that is an aha trick right yeah because you have been there you know that you can tell that, okay, I'm going to practice a little bit and I know my body's going to be, got, oh yeah, I got it. That's mine now. So you're going to start doing it without realizing it. It will become instinctive. See, no orientation Damn needed. It. Damn it, Augie. <laughs> you're right. Okay, you're right. But, but you start again? You, you... again? I said he's right. Shut up, Frank. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. You're still wrong, but he's right. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are talking about. But but but, but you're starting to get to get see that this is the thing that's why I spend time and money with this uh, neurologist because he said I need to figure out how the brain works because that that's what I do you know I I I design stuff I I come up with technology so I am like that my brain is scientific you know my brain tries to figure out stuff but I always think that. Because I know so much about uh, engineering and electronics and all stuff, I know that it's easy. It's just that people don't explain it easily. But even the most complex thing that I have worked on always has a way to make it easy to comprehend if the person spends time and goes like, okay, let me put it in a certain way so this person understands it or that other person. And that's what I was doing with this. <clears throat> So I started creating all these this, this tricks for the brain. And all of this, I think that you're starting to get my, my, my point, right? With that trick, for instance, or, or, or the one for the, for, the, for the nosing hover and things like that. It is going straight to your motor function training, not, not comprehending or understanding what you're doing. No, monkey see, monkey do, because that's exactly the way our body works. Our brain for, for reflexes doesn't need 
comprehension needs reaction. So it's see visual and feedback based on that automatically. So the body knows what to do before you know it. And that is, you know, and that is one and then, and there's literally hundreds of techniques for everything. And you start slowly learning each and every one. And all of a sudden you create your own tricks, your own crutches. You go like, okay, this one is going to be this way. Let's say you want to learn um, uh, course screws. Okay, so how do I do this? And you go like, okay, I'm going to face this thing a little bit. And I go like, ah, so that's how you move to the right. Oh, so that's how you move to the left. And then your body starts connecting it. And there's a point where without realizing it, you go like, I'm going to go to the left. How? Doesn't matter. I don't care. The body knows how to do it. I'm moving. And one of the ways I teach and I show people that it's impossible for, for me to fly um, thinking is I do that test. I go, okay, I'm going to put the helicopter to to do pirouettes so fast, and I, I'm talking blinding fast, going like, like that. It's barely, I mean, you can barely see it. And I start pedal flipping. And people go like, how the hell can you do that? And I go like, I don't know. I have no idea how I'm doing it. And I like the fact that I don't know how I'm doing it. You know why? Because I concentrate on the maneuver and know how the hell I'm doing that. I have no clue. My body's doing it. Let it work. Let me concentrate on the maneuver. I'm going to do a loop doing that blinding speed. How is happening? I don't care. I just want to fly. And that is the way you need to get to. And how do you do that? By trusting yourself, trusting your body, no matter how old you are. Your body is more than capable to do 3D. 3D is super simple for your non-conscious body. Your non-conscious brain can do those things fast because it does not need the conscious process of understanding. It's monkey see, monkey do, and when you start putting them all together, there's a point where you know what to do without knowing what to do. In other words, it's happening because all the things that became instinctive, like you said before, start piling up and there's a bigger, 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 bigger set of, of uh, learnings that you did. And all of a sudden you go like, okay, I'm going to move the helicopter like I moved my hand. And just like that, like you when I, when I move your hand back and forth, showing your friend how a TikTok is supposed to look like, that is what the heli is now. The heli is the extension of your brain. You go out there and you go, okay, I'm going to do that maneuver. The same way you move your hand describing a maneuver, that's what you do with a helicopter. But not because you were crazy trying to learn orientations. No, you let your body be free from that and let your body learn the way evolution taught us how to fight or flight, learn how to walk, learn how to stand, and all those things. Those things are completely unconscious. That's the way you can fly. And it's not difficult, believe me. It's not something that, oh, when am I going to be able to do that? Guess what? When you start practicing, when you start learning that way, instantly you start because your body is happier learning that way, way happier than, than all this craziness and all this complexity and all this, we you do this and that and move the, head, the, the, the stick this way because you have to understand that you're doing, you don't have to understand nothing. 
You simply have to let your body learn and become the heli. And that's it. And then, you know, somebody says, can you do this one over? I don't know. Let me try. Oh, yeah, I can do it. Not because you, you know how you move your hand and, oh, you mean this way, the same way you move your hand and you move the helicopter. That's exactly the way you do it. And believe me, this have been, I mean, I've done this so many times, so many people throughout the years, and I just didn't want to have this fight. But now when I came back, you broke my hobby. You, I left you a nice hobby and now I came back and now you, the hobby is broken. You know, so I said, oh, well, we need to do something about it. <laughs> you damn idiots, you know, make my hobby go crazy like that. No, I want to make, make, get this thing back in shape, you know. And I said, well, I guess we're going to have to have that fight. And I tell you something. Oh, you will see how many people are going to attack me because I said this. But it's time to have a, a war. It, it, it's just, we need to, we need this war. We need to, to release ourselves from those shackles and learn and teach people how to drive, how to, how to fly like that. Because we have simulators. We have this tool. We have VR. We have simulators. We're stupid if you don't do that. I mean, it's free. You can crash a billion times if you want, you know, and just practice these crutches. And then it, and there's a point where you go like, you know what? I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it. Who cares if you understand it or not? Just go fly, have fun. That's what matters, you know? And then you start, you know, uh, uh, finessing the things and making more precise and this and that. But it's not going to be something that you do consciously. You just look at them and it's like, I got to make it a little bit to the left. And there you go. Perfect. Go up, down, and, down, and you don't even know how it's happening. It's because it's like you were moving your hand. Believe me, it's not only possible, it's way easier than learning the old way. And that, going back to the very first thing that I said, when I was reading that thread on Helifreak, I said, well, this right now, this thing that this guy said here, all these people that were there, were there and they left the hobby slowly, you know, they stayed eight years and then there were eight people and there were four people, there were two people there all by himself. This is proof in your eyes that doesn't work. It just does not work what we're doing. Look at it. People leaving the hobby because they're frustrated. We need to stop that. We need to let people learn normally naturally so they can enjoy the, the hobby and become um, they, uh, make their hobby the maneuvers and enjoy the flying and paint the sky and have fun get together with people it is so relaxing you know you want to go to the field and go fly and if you don't want to fly don't freaking fly you know if you want to hang out with your friends whatever just do whatever you want. It's fun. It has to be fun. And this whole thing, is, like you were saying before, there were days when you came home and you were exhausted. That should not be the case. That's not a hobby. Come on. What kind of a hobby makes you go exhausted like that? It's like what this uh, post has said. And, 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 uh, some girl said, guys make, uh, have hobbies that make them mad. She said, you know, her, his wife or something like that, that's true, you know. <laughs> it makes no sense to have a hobby like that. 
guess what? We don't need to have a hobby like that. We can do it the right way. I hope that I've been able to, to express and, and, and kind of like give you an idea of what I'm talking about. I hope because we need that in our hobby. We really need that if we want to make this hobby big again. Make the hobby great again. <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> we have to Augie. break that. Augie, yeah. Augie how what? many times are you going to say, oh, we need to do it to make the hobby great again? I just said, said it once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you, man. Um, but I, I think with that, I think we've, we've covered the gamut of uh, the Aug father or Augie Copter. We haven't actually. We didn't even get to talk about his awesome new uh, products. That's true. But you know, we we honestly don't have time because it's like one thirty in the morning. Your time, Frank. Yeah. You need to go to bed. Yeah, I um, I, I need I need my beauty rest. Augie, can you come? Can you come back on in another yeah, later yeah. to talk about more? No than, okay. I didn't so, even realize that it was gonna be so much fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he was ducking me. Uh, Augie was ducking oh, yeah, me for I the was, last I month was. and a half. I have to admit, <laughs> I, I have to admit, he was like, ah, we want to have a fight. Uh, do I want to have the fire? Uh, yeah. Well, let's do it. No, because I kept telling us like I talked to you guys about it, and you guys were like uh, apprehensive, and I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out way to get you guys to see the advantage of this instead of. Well, no, no, that's the that's the thing though that we've been talking about. It, you know, and I'm gonna I'll say this at the beginning of this is that you know a lot of times I have a hard time coming up with a name like a like a clever or creative name for the episode. Uh, this episode is going to be quite simply named Paul doesn't know what the fuck orientation training actually means. <laughs> that, like that, that's what this episode will be called. And I'm, you know, you say you want, you're, you're talking about a war between like two modes of thought. Uh, have you ever wondered how much of the other side of that equation just doesn't quite understand the argument? That, that is a problem. Exactly. This is because a, you, you remember you, when I said, initially, you got like said, a war with both people on the same side and they don't realize it. <laughs> No, 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 no. There, there's, there's people on the on the on the orientation side side that see this uh, blasphemy, heretics, and want to burn yeah, the state. If you look, if you look in the hangout, there's people that like Augie has made posts. Like he doesn't do it often, but when he does, it's like it sets oh, the fire inside people. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, mean, I strongly Mar stand Mar by Mark my says, belief Mar of Mar the fact Mark that you says, need to know. Sorry, sorry, right, Mark says, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no. Mark says, "Are you trolling?" <laughs> when I post that, are you not much troll? It's like I was like, I don't know why I did that. Ah, uh, so I just yeah, think there's, I, a huge, I there's a huge difference between practicing things over and over again and thinking about things while you're practicing them over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, but like, I didn't realize that that was the distinction that you were trying to make. Exactly. That's why because, because practice said, is not a bad thing. Like, it's just not. Um, do you remember when I said when you said? You started arguing with me, and I said, "This is the reason why I don't really get into this because <laughs> yeah. it's always that is what I meant. It will take me some time to get to the point that you will understand what I mean." Uh, this is perfect. People, we uh, now have uh, this on record, and people can listen to this at their leisure. Yes, that's what I'm going to do. I go like, go like, you know what? Just you have listen to this podcast, <laughs> and once you do that, <laughs> then you come back, back and, and argue have, with me and say, "Oh, you know what? I was I was agreeing with you actually." Great. Hey, you see awesome. how much time? You see how much time we've just saved your future self? Yeah. Because you can you can now point your I gotta, enemies I, I to this podcast. That. <laughs> the seven people, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Well, we might, we no, might I, get a few more now. Yeah, well, this was, Augie, this was, this was a fantastic, man. Thank you so much for, for coming and talking with us. Yeah, and thank you so I much really for coming and arguing it. with us. Like that, that was hugely helpful. Yeah, I, I wasn't expecting to, for it to be so much fun. And, and it was, and it was, and I, I tell you, I, I was dreading because he kept pushing me and this and that. And I was like, ah, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Oh, whatever. And he was like, he cornered me. He's like, we're doing this on Thursday and you're going to be ready at this time. Okay, boss. <laughs> no, and then he told well, and me, then, hey. and, then we, and then we weren't ready because I thought we weren't doing it because Javier wasn't here. No, no, and then he tells me, um, please remind me that day. So I remind him every day from that day to the day. From Monday <laughs> to the day. Every day, hey. You know what? I was, I was uh, having, getting some tacos, uh, and, and I had a reminder, and I was like half an hour. It's like, oh, so I got to go, <laughs> go home because I'm going to have this uh, podcast thing. And, and uh, so I ran home. And then I called uh, Frank, and he avoided me. And I'm like, why is he avoiding me? So then he finally called me back and gave me the link. Like a minute later, I called him back a minute later, not avoided him. I didn't have the phone near me. And so I called him back a minute later. One minute. Uh, I got the records here. Show me the records. <laughs> Right, it's, it's, not the money. Guys. it's not important, guys. It's not important. But this was wonderful, man. That the, one that the, the only one that was really arguing was Paul. Yeah. No, I, no, I, I no, no, no. He was, he's the kind of person that, that because he's inquisitive like that, gets to the truth, gets to the point, and discovers and, and clears things up because... And I like that. I like the people that are, are, um, doesn't accept things just, you know, because somebody said it and, 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 and looks for the explanation and he got it. And the, between our, the two of us having the argument, we clarified things and he gave me the opportunity to give him examples and slowly created a, a comprehension uh, level that was missing from, from simply the words like, you know, orientation and instinctive and this and that. And I, under, I, I think that by now you guys get what I meant, you know, and yeah. it is something that is not what we're doing. It's not what we, the way we train that some people are lucky enough to do it because their body did it. Like, like in the case of Paul, you know, and a lot of people go like, Oh, because I learned this way. No, you learned that way for a little while, and your body said, "You know what? The hell with it. I'm gonna do it my way." But you didn't realize it. Augie, don't but, defend him. He's the one that all, almost lost the entire podcast. I did. I did. I hey, I, I, I will take full responsibility for a being the asshole, uh, b arguing, and c almost losing the podcast. So no, no, fantastic. Yes. I, 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 like <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize I was gonna have so much fun. It, this was a lot of fun. I tell you guys, this was. <laughs> A lot of fun, and and uh, and yeah, we can we can do uh, some more and different subjects and stuff you now. Yeah, I would I would love that. Uh, that would be that would be fantastic. We're gonna we um, as I said in the last episode, we consistently release a new podcast between every you know two and nine weeks. 
So uh, who knows when the next one will be, but man, we would love to have you on here again and talk about more stuff. Cause I'm sure we've only scratched the surface of, you know, all the different subjects that we can, that we can cover. Yeah, man. Anytime you guys want, you know, it's fun. Like I said, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hobby addict. I really love flying helis. I mean, like totally. So I'm here. All right. So awesome. Was there any, anything yeah, else? Yeah, I wanted to ask Augie. Augie, so okay. one yeah. of the things that I that I want to like ask a favor. We ask favors from from Ron Corris, from Kerry Shirley. We always are looking for tech tips, and you are a wealth of information in so many things. And we were yeah, you, you never pay attention. Well, <laughs> are, are, are you interrupting me again? God damn it! No, no, I'm just saying that you never pay attention to what I, I do. So pay I attention. Like. When you see the problem is Augie sends me a message. You know, this is what he, this is what just happened. He sent me a message earlier, uh, sometime in a couple of weeks ago. Hey, here's the code for my website. Get this so you can get the free thing. And of course I'm not going to take it for free and I don't remember to do it. So he reminds me and it's just, instead of getting the one thing, I buy like five other things and I say, no, give me, give me the dealer discount that you usually give me and I'll, and let me take all this stuff. So I, I got a lot more stuff that I wanted that I hadn't got around to doing it. Plus I got the X card. So the, the X glow. So I'm looking forward to that. But my point is, I want to see if you, if you, if you record for us some tech tips on anything that you, that you feel strong about that we could share them on, on our episodes. I, I feel like, like uh, this is a perfect, a perfect opportunity to say, you know, it doesn't have to just be tech tips uh, because obviously flying tips are, you know, just as important. And if you've got those, well, I already, I already a couple of that, that, that the, the near far stick and the, yeah. and the dude, that whole near far stick thing. That's going to change. That's going to like change my life. Oh, dude, believe me. A lot of people, <laughs> when they do that, I remember a, a few guys have come back to me and go like, oh my God, that was the one thing that I did it. And that made my backward forward, whatever flying easy. Well, that seems that's like easy. that's the key to transitions right there. Absolutely. It, it's, yeah. it's, that thing is magic. I tell you. And it takes a little while because you know, initially you do it like that and then it becomes yours. And then you don't even think about it. You just do it. But anyway, so a tech, a tech, tech, tech tip. Okay. Yeah. And you um, can record it, it, it and send it to us and we'll, we'll get it oh, on. Yeah, on. No, don't, don't, don't say the tech tip now because we actually have Carrie's tech tip that we're going to play. And now after I say okay. like, and now a word from our sponsor. Here's a technical tip from gaspowerhelicopters.com. Did you know that you can run different types of fuel beyond gasoline in your gas-powered helicopter? Although gasoline is readily available, today's blends can leave really bad odors, which is an issue if you store your model in your house, as a lot of people do. A popular alternative fuel is lantern fuel, often referred to as Coleman, although that's a brand name, and there are many other brands available to you usually available in sporting goods stores or your local hardware store. Although more expensive than gasoline, it doesn't contain ethanol, so there won't be any ill effects on your carburetor internals. And you won't have the lingering odor of gasoline in your house or wherever you store your models. Also, extensive testing has shown that there's no power difference between gasoline and lantern fuel. In fact, in some of my dyno testing, I found that lantern fuel actually made more power in certain engines. So remember, if you're not flying a gas-powered helicopter, you're paying too much for fuel. 
Uh, okay, so so this is what I'm going to do. Okay, I'm going to do a tech tip specifically and in honor of Javier. Okay. Oh, is it about nitrous? Thank you. Yes, you got it. Yes, <laughs> it's like on nitro. Yeah, just like that. He'll love it. Oh, come on, come on, come on! I was I was beginning to like you, Augie. I mean, I came in late. You you give me a tech tip, and I mean, I said, who's, who's the you know, what a nice here, guy. You were like an hour late. <laughs> yeah, you you guys, I'm the Cuban one. I'm the one that's supposed to be late. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the magic of how to tune an engine. Something yeah, like that. That'd be perfect. That'd be perfect. All right. All right. All right. And I think with that, um, Paul, it's time to call it. Sounds good, Frank, man. Frank is sleepy. Uh, Frank is sleepy. I'm sleepy. Augie, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Thank you yeah, for the thanks, invitation. Augie. I really enjoyed it. I didn't and we will be we will be calling so you up shortly. And um, right. we will get bug. you back on here and Actually, what I want to do is we, we talked about this one time, you and me, Augie. It's about getting a group of your guys from back in the day on here. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I was, and I was, shooting yeah. stories about oh, what it was great. like flying, like great. in the heyday of helicopter. Actually, heli. Oh, yeah. you guys are going to listen. You're going to hear some weird shit. I'll tell you that. Hey, remind me of, of Hircha Hotel's stories. Okay, you're gonna be like what? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna be like what? Archie knows how to party, uh, Volume One. Oh my God, (laughs) this is is hilarious stuff. Absolutely hilarious. Well, hey, let's let's um, let's schedule that for um, round two of this then in 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 a month or so. How's it sound? All right, and with that, I I I bid you guys an adieu. All right, man. All right, all right. We'll call it. All right, Augie. Again, thank you so much, and everyone, thanks for listening. And we will see you guys next time. Alrighty. See you guys.